sometimes. So, what do you want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? I guess each other. What's what makes you you? You want to talk about your story? Yeah, the story. Story of life. The background. What makes us who we are and where what brought us to where we are today? Going deep. Whew. Going deep right off the right bat. Off. Why not? Dive in. Well, I mean, your background story, your childhood is definitely a lot more unique than yeah. I would say than mine, especially for the time frame. I mean, I'm pretty much American town, mm-hmm. you know, conservative, brought up fairly heavy conservative side in regards to the population, but yeah, you know, still the, all of the generic cultural influence was there. I mean, sure. it's not like you can really get away from that living here, but you not quite so much. So when did you, how old were you when you guys moved? So from, I guess, birth to, about eight. I think eight's when we went to Russia, which is insane. Like, my son's eight now. So, like, thinking of how little I remember at that age, and yet that's where he's at right now, you know? Like, were you on, was your brain online yet? No, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was one of those things. I think I have three memories, good memories from that time that I remember. Like grandma and grandpa's house and yeah, like church or something. Like yeah, and like specific churches that stuck out where we visited and things like that. Like, well, When did you start going on the road, like to drum up support for... I think the, probably, I was probably six or seven, something okay, like that. Okay, so, so that's yeah, like eight's the, when we were about to go. Kind of started Russia. when you were six yeah, then, which yeah. is, you don't remember anything no. from before six. I mean, <laughs> no, nobody like, does. Yeah, right. Like, Oh, man. So pretty much, I mean, you're... Early formative years were in the States here, and then yeah. you hit the road with the fam at six. Yeah. And there was, what, three of you then? Mm, no, there was Just, uh, all of us, yeah. Oh, it was yeah, all? It was I all guess it was yeah. all of you, okay. Yeah. So you have four other siblings. Siblings, yeah. And you hit and then, the road traveling across America. That was, what, for two years? Yeah, I know it was actually, uh, I think we got there in a year. It was a little, I think maybe... Maybe a little less than a year, but we don't get there for like a year and a little bit because I think we took some time with family before we headed over there. Mm-hmm. I, that's one of the memories that sticks out is us getting on the plane and both my grandparents there, which is I'd never seen them together. You know, because like, my dad's from, his family's from Oregon and then my mom's family's from Idaho. And so we'd right. go visit one or the other, but they were never together. And so that was the first time I ever remember seeing them all together. So you knew it was a big deal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, whoa, whoa. somebody died. Everyone's <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so I was, as, as we were born there and I just remember my grandma crying and I'd never seen her cry, like, except yeah. for one other time at a funeral, her mom's funeral. Uh, and then, uh, and then just uh, a lot of tears, like on both sides. And then I remember thinking like, are we going to die? Because <laughs> like, that's, I think was kind of their thought process. Like, are we ever going to come yeah, back? Yeah, right? Yeah. Are they just going to, like, put them in prison when they hit, you know, Russian soil or, you know? So, so perspective, for perspective, your family was going, at this time, 
was going to be missionaries to Russia. Yep. And yeah. this was like the first, this was like, what, would, what do you call it? Like a scouting trip? No, th- my dad went on uh, the survey trip. Survey trip, yeah. yeah. But they, uh, my dad went on that by himself. And so, I mean, you got five kids and one's, uh, the youngest I think was six, nine months, something like that. So still really young. Um, when we started, I think he was about three when we went there, two or three. But, yeah. Um, yeah, just, so when we went as a family, it was, it was going there to live. That's what we did. And back then they didn't have, I mean, half the stuff we have here. Um, I mean, when, you know, communism fell and all that happened. And this, what, what time frame was this? It was like 93. 93? Yeah. So two years yeah. after the wall came oh, yeah. down. Yeah. And so I, I just remember getting there and everything's pretty much the same color. Very like gray, gray tones. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the apartments were that way. And they were, I just remember thinking these apartments are huge, like 23 stories, you know, five different entrances. And so there's apartments all the way up from every entrance. And I just remember thinking, man, this is huge. Like I can't, I've never seen anything like this because we'd never gone to New York or any, any large cities like that before. And so that was, Moscow was the first one that we were just like, whoa, this is crazy. So this being, you're what, eight years old at this time, yeah. right? Did you have any, like from talking with family or I would especially imagine grandparents at the time, do you remember there being like still a sentiment? Were you old enough to like understand the U.S. sentiment toward the former Soviet Union at all? Was that like, a, did, were you aware of any of the political stuff? Sure, sure. For me, it was more the reaction of my grandparents, like the fear that we were going there that woke me up more than anything because you know my i heard my dad talk about it on at different churches and just how he grew up saying you know here and i'd rather be dead than red you know you know rather be dead than become a communist or or anything like that you know and so it's totally anti-russia because of that cold war era right um and so 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 i heard him talk about it but it never was real you know, to me, like it was only ever just like, uh, I guess that happened, you know? Yeah. Um, but when we started talking to family and started saying goodbye to grandparents and they started crying and saying, I hope we see you again. I was just like, Oh, okay. This is a big deal. This is different than, than anything I'd ever seen in my life to that point. Um, so do you think it was, was it all downhill from there? Was that the formative moment that kind of like shaped that like really snapped you in or was it somewhere else down the road living there that was like, Oh, my life's different than everybody else. That's a tough one. I, I, I think, uh, for me, I didn't know I was different for a long time. Uh, I didn't know how, growing up there made me very different um, until we came back on like furloughs. Uh, so came back to report to the church to show them what, you know, was going on over there and everything. Mm-hmm. And then saw how different we were from other kids our age. Like different mannerisms, different ideas, different talking points, conversations. World, world views. 
I mean, that was, that was something huge because most people grow up with one worldview. I don't care if they're like, I, I have a different or unique. If you grew up in America, I mean, you only see America, so that's all you can know. And so to try and expand your worldview from that is, is next to impossible unless you visit another country and, and live there for some time. Um, because just visiting, I mean, oh, I see, you know, you go to Africa, you see poor people. It's like, well, okay, you you see that, but go live in those houses and smell those smells and see what the people are like. Are they happy in spite of that? You know, what, what really shapes their worldview and what, what's important to them and why is it important to them? Uh, and so that was something that, you know, growing up, you know, spending a lot of our formative years here and then growing up the rest over there till I was an adult really, really opened my eyes to see things from different perspectives. Um, and naturally, a lot of people here in the States are anti-Russian. I mean, it, it, was, they were, it was brought up, you know, they were brought up that way. And there's always like, they're the enemy, you know, like, or they're just waiting for an opportunity to destroy America. Like that's the, and over there you meet the people and they don't think about America. <laughs> like they don't, That's not, that's not something that is on their mind at all, you know? Um, and when they hear of America that most of them desire to go there because they know that there's so much more opportunity here for personal growth, you know? Uh, monetarily, monetarily, you know, uh, being able to grow their wealth and status and stuff, they see it as a land of opportunity, you know. And so, uh, which was interesting. I thought I would see a lot more, you know, like animosity towards us as Americans there than than we really saw. Not to say that there wasn't. Uh, sure. There's definitely, there were definitely some, a lot of situations like that where it was very, um, evident, um, which also grew our worldview of understanding what people that, you know, have other people that hate them for something that's not their choice. You know. Do you think it's, do you think it's possible to understand what being an American means or is having not been outside the United States? Because I think some crazy number of people in the United States don't even have a passport. Like, they've yeah. never been anywhere. I mean, they've been state to state. Sure. But they've never expanded their worldview beyond the two oceans. Yeah. And Canada, and which Canada, doesn't, yeah. doesn't, <laughs> doesn't count. count. Yeah, right. It's like America light, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a exactly. nice version of America. So it's like... <laughs> Do you think you can even really conceptualize? I mean, obviously, if you live here, you think, oh, I know I'm an American. Sure. But if you don't have anything to compare that to, oh, yeah. do you even know what being an American is? Or is that just your little tribe? Oh, that's interesting. An interesting question. I think it's, I think it's uh, one of those things that you... You know, but you don't know how you know. Yeah. And the more you learn of other cultures and other things, you learn more of your own self too and your own own worldview. Um, especially with like, uh, like we'd have Americans come over and just like 
we naturally adapted to what Russians did. Like on the metros, there's not a lot of smiling, you know, especially in the 90s. Now it's a little different, but when we first got there, I mean, you didn't smile. You didn't really talk. And if you talked, you whispered in somebody else's ear. It's just uh, very yeah, like informative. Private, yeah, like private, like don't make a lot of noise. And, and I think that stems obviously from communism to where you don't want to stick out because if you stick out, then you're separated and then you're targeted. Uh, right. They want everyone just to conform you know, to what they're, they're told to do and, and keep that, you know, that way of life there. Um, but so like Americans would come over and, and they're just like, the Metro gets loud, you know, and you've traveled on it before, like it Metro, it'll underground, you got the windows open down there. So there's ventilation. And so it's loud. You're here in the train. And so you lean over and you talk into somebody's ear if, if you're trying to talk to them, you know, but Americans, every time they came over, they wouldn't, they just start screaming and everyone on the metro is looking over at them going, what are those people doing? Are they insane? Like, what are they talking? Why are they so loud? And like any Russians that were with us would like turn and walk away. We are not the with group. these people. Yes, these are not our people. We, we do not know them. And, uh, and so like, but, it, but I found that as something that's very common not just in Russia, but you go to any European cities. I mean, you hear the Americans from a long ways away. We're loud, loud and very proud. Loud. Yeah. And like, we don't even think about it. Cause all of us are like, yeah. like here, it's not a big deal. If you hear somebody bust out laughing, you know, near you, you're just like, Oh, they're having a good time, you know? But in other cultures, it's like, that's very disruptive and inconsiderate. And, and we wouldn't even think about it, you know? And, so there's a lot of, a lot of those nuances like that that are just, they make us who we are. But you would never know you're different unless you're in a place that's different, you know. Yeah, and it's not and even so, like skin color. I mean, yeah, you no. basically, you know, North Europe, East Europe, North Europe. Yeah. You 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 could almost blend in. Yeah. If you tried. For sure. Yeah. You know? And that's what we did as kids. We yeah. learned the language to the point and had minimal accents enough to the point where we could fit in. You know, and, uh, and on then, a day to day basis, yeah, on a day to day basis. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so for us, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have to worry, um, as much about, you know, first contact discrimination, at least it was when they got, when they got into conversation with us, then eventually some, you know, our accent would show or lack of vocabulary or not understanding them, asking them to repeat something multiple times, then they'd catch on and, where are you guys from, you know? But So like us talking to a Brit or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they could fake it for a while maybe, but yeah. Uh, it's like, I see through yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, so. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think, did you read a lot of, like, uh, Russian history, Russian works. Did you have to take any of that kind of material? Not really. My parents definitely did a huge deep dive when they got there. Their language teacher uh, had them like read War and Peace, some a lot of Tolstoy. That's a brutal book. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a long book, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> just to like fully like get them into that thinking, you know, somewhat of that. I don't know if it was him making them or they just wanted to, you know, to try to understand maybe the culture there better or, or a way of Russian thought or things like that. But 
me personally, I, I never, I was never attracted to that, like the history of it. Um, and I think part of that is because, um, we heard so much like from church to church about communism and different things. And, and that's what majority of questions were about were right. how are you going to survive in a communist country with your family as an American? You know, we heard this constant negativity about it. And so eventually you just become numb to it. And they're just like, well, that's just where we're going to live. We're going to deal and see what happens, you know? Well, that's like so much. I mean, the same time period as it's communism in the Eastern Bloc is, also kind of the same time period as anti-communism in the States, like from 1917, 1918 up until even now in some circles, but definitely up until the early nineties, it was like anti-communism. Oh yeah. So it was an antithetical sentiment Mm -hmm. that that's how the world, the whole, I mean, that's where we get the whole first and second world and third world country classification. My understanding is that, you were a first world country, you were affiliated with the United States. If yeah. you were a second world country, you're affiliated with the USSR. And if you're a third world, you're neither. Yeah. Huh. Like that seems where that, I mean, we still use that. Sure. Even. Yeah. Like it shaped modern modernity, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Entirely in such a large way. And it was only what? 70 years. Yeah. A little yeah. over 70, 70 years. Uh, I think 70, 75, somewhere in there. At least that Russia was in that. And then, of course, you still have China today, and right. which is kind of a hybrid of capitalism and communism. Now they're not even full communism. State-run capitalism. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. And so, which is kind of where Russia, I think, is starting to shift back towards, too. Um, a lot of, like, the Russian people, I think, hated seeing, um, like, a lot during this invasion of Russia and Ukraine, seeing the the foreign businesses leave Russia. But you saw what Russia did. Like, McDonald's was there since the, you know, the wall came down and communism fell. Down came, you know, the Iron Curtain. Uh, McDonald's was over there even, I think, before that, like, late 80s. And they left because this whole invasion with Ukraine. But then what Russia did is they just rebranded it and used the exact same ingredients and made their own version. Vkusnay Tochka. Yep. Isn't that, tochka. is that state run then? Yeah. Well, really? now, well now I believe it is. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, you see the, uh, the, um, the people that, that take it over and do that. It's, it's all, it, nothing happens there without the government allowing it. Sure. So, I mean, uh, you could also say the same here. Nothing happens without the government allowing it. I mean, if you've ever tried to build a building Uh or start a business, it doesn't happen without governmental blessing. It's funny how we we really don't think of it that way. Which is so interesting because the more power I think that America has given to the government, the more we've become like those that we claim to hate, you know, and just like... We grew up hating communism. Well, that 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 state run, everything's, you know, they did this and then they starved their people and all this. And it's like, yeah, but yet, the policies of a lot of a lot of a lot of people uh, in in America are, yeah, like healthcare should be everybody. You know, it's a right, so we should have the same healthcare for everybody. And and that's like, well, the problem with that is, is then you've got so much. Um, work and 
then you've got these doctors that have little motivation to to do that because they don't get paid as much. And so, because it's not privately owned anymore. And so... Um, well, it is... You're talking about the the healthcare yeah, or healthcare. the actual... Yeah. Like hospitals. Well, They're hospital. pretty much corporate yeah. owned, but... Yeah. But, so like socialized medicine, I guess, is yeah. the mainly main thing that I'm, I mean, we saw over there that is so different. Like, yeah, everything is technically free, but the quality is, is very rough. First and foremost, like no Russians go to the socialized medicine since they've allowed now independent clinics there. All the Russians go to those. Like and if you want to actually yes. get better, <laughs> yes. you go to the private <laughs> yes, doctor. Exactly. And so, um, and, and that's not to say that it would be identical to that here. We don't know because America's totally different. But at the same time, there's no guarantee it won't turn into that, you know, here. Well, I mean, it's know. to, I think to a certain degree, it's turned into that in just about, because obviously America's one of the few countries that's developed countries that's held out on socialized, mm-hmm. complete socialized medicine. Yeah. And if you look at the developed countries that have socialized medicine, European, uh, Canada, mm-hmm. et cetera, it's still the same story. I mean, sure. if you really want, if you want care and you want care now, yes, you go pay for it somewhere. Mm-hmm. You don't, I mean, and the thing is, it's like we conservatives, you know, are very against socialized sure. medicine for understandable reasons. It can be taken advantage of, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, like we already have socialized medicine yeah. to a degree. We have Medicare and yep. Medicaid. Like mm-hmm. that's socialized medicine. Yeah. We have yeah. social security. It's there. Yeah. It, it, it's like okay, that's <laughs> technically speaking, I that's a form of socialism. Yeah. Like yeah. we're. I mean, we have elements of communism and socialism Definitely. baked into the cake now in the past mm-hmm. for the past hundred years. I mean, yeah. it's nothing yeah. new. Yeah, um, and I think that's. Uh, but it's always kept in check. You know what I mean? Like there's always to limits. A yeah, to to a degree. And there's always been opportunity for like independent enterprises to be involved in that as well. Right. And that's where the difference I think between some of those fully socialized medicine places are is well, it's like <laughs> um one of the major problems with socialized medicine is is like, well, if it's free for everyone there's a lot of people in America. And so the, the hospitals get full and backed up really quick. I mean, if all of your surgeries are free, then a lot of people are going to go to the doctor and you're not going to get in for months, years in some cases, if it's not an emergency, you know, I mean, we had that during yeah. the malware virus. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, even with people that had good health insurance. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, th- and I see that up here in the Northwest, like, I mean, even just getting into doctors now is because I think of some of the some of the policies here, and just how easily it is to get state uh, health care and stuff here now. Like I called in just to get a checkup, and they're like, "All right, yeah, we'll get you in in about two and a half months." I'm just like, "What? <laughs> so what if just, I was dying? Yes, exactly. what if I had cancer? <laughs> exactly." And it's just like, "Okay, I guess." I mean, what do you do? You just deal with it and go on. So. Yeah, that's that's crazy. But. It's just it's always fascinated me that we look and say, okay, all communism is bad. Like these yeah. communist countries 
mm-hmm. you know this communism is killing them which okay we can say that's a legitimate point but i mean most of the united states budget is for welfare programs you know whether it's uh, food stamps or um medicare medicaid social security and it's the same thing as with you know the socialized medicine and the other countries we talked about it's like if you want a good retirement yep. you don't rely just on social security <laughs> that's, that's so true. we've all learned that yes like i mean my generation yep we're not even counting on social security <laughs> that's right. it's just another tax it's a bonus if it's anything. like oh if it comes through in 40 years great <laughs> yeah otherwise we're going to be figuring it out on our own yep like sure. nobody, like maybe the first couple generations, it was a viable thing. I don't mm-hmm. even know. But now it's, you don't rely on social security. It's just a supplement. It is. Yeah. And, and if you're not seeing it that way, then you're not preparing for your future. Right. I mean, there's no. just, there's no way that you can. If you're not in crypto, you are not going to survive. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> It's a whole nother podcast, right? Yeah. Well, uh, but. I don't know. I just think having traveled to a few, my, my travels are obviously far more limited than yours, mm-hmm. but having traveled e- even just a little bit and seeing the perspective, you know, other people's perspective, not even like immersion, not yeah. like, okay, I'm going to go live here. Sure. Just traveling somewhere else mm-hmm. and saying, okay, this is how these people live. You know, do I have ground to be smug Yeah. on? Is America the best? Yeah, right. I mean, I still think so. Yeah. But, you know, it's not the only way. Yeah, that's something that uh, until you leave America, you I, I don't think you can be completely um, fully appreciative of what you have, first and foremost here, until you see others that don't. And... And I think the shock, too, is that you don't need what we have here to be happy. And I think that's something that that a lot of people can't believe, is that, wait, they don't have all the stuff that we have, all the technology and all the money, and yet they're still, they still find happiness. They still are okay with their lives, and, and, uh, and just that, that doesn't give you happiness. That's not what it's about, you know? And that was something that you can't see that until you go to some other place where people have next, in our minds, nothing. They have nothing. They have subsistence. Yeah, exactly. Food, water, shelter, yeah, a car. That's it. That's and, it. And not even good water. In many cases, water that's not even super clean, but that'll Slightly keep them alive. radioactive. Yeah, right? And you see that, and then, and then you just go, wow, okay. And they're still happy. Well, what's wrong with me then? Because I have that and, and then way more. And yet I still don't don't find myself happy, you know. The whole, you hear a lot about the cost of living increase. Yeah. You know, in the United States specifically. I think it's for sure a global issue. Mm-hmm because of inflation, et cetera. And there's this cost of living increase. It's like, oh, you know, if you look at the 
what our grandparents made versus what they had to spend. It's this, you know, and wages yeah. haven't kept up with cost of living. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a statistician. I'm sure. not really familiar with how all those numbers are calculated. But if you look at how we live compared to even how our grandparents lived in the United States, yeah, not even to mention in other countries where it was an, like an order of magnitude even less advanced. Yeah. But I mean, they didn't have to buy $1,200 cell phones every yeah. two years, yeah. you know, I mean, they didn't have so many expenses that we, that's like a must now. Yep. Like you have to have a good computer. You have to have a good phone. You mm-hmm. have to have a bigger house. Like the, the average house size from this spitballing off the top of my head here. And these are estimates i think the average house size in the 1950s was like 950 square feet wow and it's now over 2000 yeah the average say, house size people would call it a shack nowadays 900 yeah. square feet. that that that's my office like 950 <laughs> square feet is barely big enough for my couch and right? tv yep where am i going to put the bed uh-huh you know and just the what I guess our expectations are so much higher. Well, yeah, of course it's going to cost more yep. just from a value basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there is cost of living. There's still a differential there. You know, it's still more expensive for the exact same stuff. Yeah. But we just like to throw out, oh, it's more expensive across the board. Yeah. But if you actually look at, okay, what would it cost me today? To have exactly what my grandparents had. Oh yeah, it's not that much more no versus average yeah. wage. You know. Yeah, that's so true with the 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 mentality of what I deserve. You know, it changes with every generation, and and it goes up with everyone. Like now, if you don't have internet in your house, it's like what's wrong with you? (laughs) Like, how do you survive? Like, that's a need. It's a must, you know, and it's like electricity was back, you know, in the nineties, you know, or eighties and, and just like something that, that people cannot live without. And yet you can, it's, it's possible to do, you know? And, and like you said, the, the cell phones, the computers, TVs, I mean. TVs have gotten stream, a lot cheaper. <laughs> streaming services. I mean, all of that. Yeah, Oh, for sure. those will kill you. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh, I want this. Oh, now I got to buy this streaming service yeah. to watch this. Uh-huh. Now I'm at 100 bucks a month yeah. in streaming services. But streaming so much cheaper than cable. <laughs> you know, that's what they I mean, I, you know, Probably. Yeah. I guess Not it if you depends. get them all. If you get them all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know yeah so. i mean it's definitely more convenient yes but yeah. i think we just Easier have really gotten so used to paying whatever the cost for convenience right yeah for sure whatever the cost for yeah you know all the channels like yeah. i remember my grandparents 20 years ago mm-hmm. they bought like all of the channels back yeah. when people yeah. had satellite, they had satellite TV. Oh yeah. My grandma and they had bought that too. All yeah. like everybody's yeah. grandparents had yeah. this, you know, I don't know. <laughs> the what. big dish out in there. The yard. big dish, maybe not the big, big <laughs> yeah. dish, but they had a dish yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And they would pay, it was like for internet and the internet was terrible. It was garbage internet at mm-hmm. the time. One meg. Yeah. They would have internet, 
cable TV, and telephones, landlines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the whole thing was like 400 bucks a month. Oh, yeah. Insane. And we were like, that's crazy. Yeah. You're paying 400 bucks a month for yeah. television? Uh-huh. I mean, I, I was low middle class. We had public television. Yeah, you yeah. got an antenna and the six, six yeah. channels. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And going to grandma and grandpa's house to watch cartoons was the bomb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they had the quote unquote disposable income. But now it's like, if you don't have streaming, yeah. if you can't watch whatever you want to watch, which. Yeah. I mean, everybody has streaming. Yeah, exactly. Everybody has a nice car. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a t- 2,000 plus square foot house on and on and on and on yeah. and on. Which is, is so, is somewhat, it's funny as uh, that, like some of the Russian people that have come over here, when they first heard the numbers of like, you make, four or five thousand dollars a month they're over there i'd say a good job is about a thousand a month really? yeah and uh, and what will that what will that thousand a month buy you there well they have like multi- before the invasion groceries are way cheaper i will say that um yeah. over there i mean you you come home with the grocery store you got a full cart and everything's 50 bucks so like they do a lot wow. of their own stuff over there you know 50 Um, U.S. dollars. Yeah, U.S. dollars, yeah. yeah. And so, um, but their apartments and rent and stuff, that's 60, 70% of their income. And so a lot of houses, a lot of families there, there's multi-generations in the houses. Grandma's living with the family. uh, And and so that's kind of, there's no retirement per se centers over there. And so when grandparents get older, a lot of times it's just expected that, they move in with the most successful son or daughter and or whoever has room in, in their apartment or, or house or wherever they live. And so um, a lot of multi-incomes in one household. And, and kids will stay with their parents till they're you know, 25, you know, to 30. And it's not their, frowned upon. No, like, it's not. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. It's not like, I'm in my mom's basement. No, it's We're not playing like that. Fortnite yeah. in my mom's basement till yeah. I'm 29. Can my YouTube channel go ahead? Yeah, yeah, no, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's something that when they see the type of salaries that's just like base type salaries here, 4000 a month, you know, 5000 a month for, you know, multi uh, professions in the home, you know, of, of the spouse, both spouses working, they just thought that's how can you not be rich with that over there? And then when they get here, and they see how much car insurance is and how much a car payment is and how much housing is and how much groceries are. And all of a sudden they get it like, okay, it's really just this farce of, Hey, you get all this money every month. Aren't you excited? And then it just shoots right out of your hands. Just playing with bigger numbers. Yep. Just playing with bigger numbers. And that's it. More and comes in, more goes out. Only the names are changed. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, I think was one of the biggest culture shock things that they saw is they're like, I had a, th- a fourth of this that I was making in Russia. And yet I still feel the exact same. Like, yeah. I, I got the same amount at the end of every month that I had over there pretty much. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, that's kind of how the government works. <laughs> they kind of find that balance to where you're like, just making it at the end of every month and i mean it still is incredible how 
Yeah, and I think it's really the thing that still sets America apart and what makes it so attractive. Yep. You know, on the world stage as a place to come is there even if you start out just making it, yeah. just getting by, mm-hmm. there's still a chance. Yeah. There's still an opportunity like you can get rich. Oh, definitely. If you try hard enough or you, you have hard. a mm-hmm. you work hard enough or you have a good idea mm-hmm. or like there is a chance definitely there's so many places there is no chance definitely and, that, and that's what i think zero i think that um a lot of people when they come here they have the misconception that everybody makes it and everyone's idea works out because you don't really hear a lot about the failures <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, Survivorship bias. Yeah, there's no, there's no shows made about the failures or, you know, blogs that are written about the failures. People don't want to get on there and say, yeah, I made it to America and I'm on welfare. And I can't survive. Do you, know, do you know who Alex Ramosi is? No. Oh, he's like this super rich influencer. Okay. Cool guy. Like he's got a lot of great content uh-huh. on YouTube, books. I've listened to a couple of his books. But it's like, you're never going to read about an Alex Hormozzi who, he, he fit, his whole story basically is he started a gym in like LA yeah, and he grew it to a chain of gyms. And then okay. he, um, he, then he started like a gym launch. I think it was the company was called gym launch where he would okay. go like boost gyms, marketing and all this stuff. Okay. Started making money. And then he kind of went into private equity essentially okay. in like a short, fairly short time span. He's this huge launch it's launched yeah so you're never gonna hear about the alex hormozzi that started a gym and failed he went bankrupt <laughs> the first and now month. he's homeless in yeah, la exactly like that's how most of those work out yes <laughs> you know and it yeah is. it's obviously because there's a little bit of luck there's mm-hmm. a lot of hard work yes. you know that's but that's the american quote-unquote dream is yeah. okay if i put in the hard work yes and if i get just a little bit you know, the more hard work I put in, the more opportunities are going to trickle down the pipeline. Yeah. The more I can capitalize, if I make all the right decisions yeah. over and over and over again, my chance of success goes way up. Yes. Well, and that's something that I think I saw an interview with Elon Musk about uh, where one guy said, uh, what would you advise somebody who was looking at starting a new business or what would you what words of encouragement? That's what they said. What words of encouragement would you give a new entrepreneur? And he said, uh, if they need words of encouragement, I'd say don't do it. Because <laughs> it's Ouch. just like, I mean, if you are, if you're already just starting and you need the words that are, like, you can do it, buddy, you're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. You got to have the drive. Yes. Oh, you, it's got to be your dream, your heartbeat, everything. And those are the ones that, separate you know from from the rest and i think we've both been around enough people that are like oh i'm gonna start uh you know i'm gonna start an etsy business (laughs) i'm gonna make it big on etsy yeah there are people that do don't get me wrong but same formula still applies Mm -hmm. like you can't just haphazard your way to six figures on etsy nope yeah well, that's what, like, uh, when Elon Musk mentioned, too, when he was starting Tesla, 
he was putting in, uh, I think he said like uh, 100-hour weeks or something like that. He says, and I said, well, where did you get the drive for that? And he's like, well, my thought process was, well, if most people are working 40 to 60 and I'm working 100, even if we're the same quality of work every week, I'm working 40 hours more than they are, and that's going to separate me from them in the long run and, and especially week to week. And so, you know, that, that type of mentality is, is kind of what he portrayed as if you're going to do something and you're going to try and build something great, he's like, it's got to be your life. I mean, that's just what it's going to have to be. That's a huge reason. If you actually look into the statistics for the wage gap thing, like men work more hours, right? Yep. And if you work more hours over time, like yeah. if you like Elon Musk, you work even eighty hours a week. Yeah. You, okay. You work eighty hours a week, and not just like oh, I'm at work. Yeah, exactly. You work You're doing stuff. eighty yeah. hours because <laughs> most people who work work forty hours a week. Yeah. They don't really yeah. work forty hours That's a week. True. They yeah. work like ten, fifteen, <laughs> yeah. maybe, and the rest of the time they're chilling, sitting around, whether yeah. it's at home or at the office or shooting <laughs> the breeze with their coworkers. Yeah. Like that's pretty well known. Yeah, we can coast here. Yeah, unless you're in manufacturing or something mm-hmm. where you're actually your productivity is really tied yes. to your hours. But if you put in eighty hours a week of solid work yeah. for five years, yeah. no one's ever going to catch you working no way. forty hours. They're, not in your sphere. No. Not in the not in the rest of their life. They're yep. not going to catch you because you're so far out ahead. Mm-hmm. You could take a year off. They're still not going to catch <laughs> That's you. That's right. Like you're just. It's so exponential. Oh yeah. Well, it's like like an, you see that even with Tesla, how far they are ahead of all the other car. And now other car companies have so much more than Tesla had in the beginning, but how they've, how it separated itself. And now the gap's starting to close somewhat now, but, but still it just, you saw how far that just like thrust Tesla forward ahead and, and that mentality. And and was that, I think I heard a statistic, uh, like if you practice something for like five or 15 minutes a day, then every day for a year, I said by the end of the year you'll be better than like ninety one percent of the population are at that thing or something like that. Oh, probably more. Yeah, it could be more, but I think that's what I heard something like. And I'm, but I mean, you just think of like, like if you just practice playing the guitar, you know, fifteen minutes a day for a year. I mean, you, that's not that long. Like that's not that much. And yet, every day. But every no, day. Every. That's day. it. Every day. And and just. uh how your brain and God made our brain so so adaptable to just be able to learn. That just is amazing. Uh, and people, oh, that's not my gift. You know, that's 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 one of those phrases that just oh. put in ten thousand hours and then call me and see yes. if we'll see if it's your gift yes, or not. Exactly, that's what it is. Just, I mean, like ten thousand hours is the generally accepted. Yeah number that you put in it's like a magic number you put yeah. in for being an expert in something yeah. like if you can give anything your average joe yeah that's not you know below a certain threshold of intelligence sure. you know you put in ten thousand hours in one thing mm-hmm. you will be good at it yeah i mean you will be if you're not an expert you're going to be better than everybody else <laughs> yeah exactly better than only a, a select few yeah, 
and it, you just see it too. And, and those people that are just different, you know, that, that put in that extra work and, and they're always busy, you know, you, they're always doing something to, uh, to improve that skill. It's, it, it engulfs their entire lives, you know, and, but then you see why they're successful. You know, when you get to know them, you start talking to them and they know everything about that thing that they're trying to succeed in. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the type of quality it takes, man. So kind of back to your story yeah. here, <laughs> got off on quite the tangent. Yeah. So you basically, you went over and started living as a, uh, as an immigrant, I guess. Yes. Expat, whatever yeah. you want to call yeah, yeah. it. And Obviously, you made trips back to the United States mm-hmm. on and off over your childhood, formative mm-hmm. years. Was it 18 that you came back to live full-time in the in the States? I was 17, technically. 17. Yeah, 17, yeah. Would go to college, yep. do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that when it kind of sunk in? Like, I'm... Like, did you feel just as American? Yeah. No, I would say for me, it was my junior year in high school. Um, so I had this dream and desire to be a football player, um, as I'm sure many have. But I wanted to be a professional football player. And so um, I told my dad that, and I said, that's what I want to do. And and <clears throat> in most cases, like growing up, my dad would direct me in a specific way, but when, whenever we decided that we wanted to do something as 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 his kids, um, <laughs> he was very very open and always said, "If that's what God wants you to do, then all right, that's what I want you to do." And he knew. I think. I mean, it's not hard. This was not going to work yes, out. Yes, I'm, I'm five, <laughs> five, five, eight, and you know, run a six, uh, seven forty, which you know is comparable to most. D linemen, the good D linemen could run that. <laughs> so, that are far larger. Yes, far larger and <laughs> stronger. Uh, but uh, um, so I, um, but, he, but he let me go to a public school for a semester, a fall semester. Uh, to you play were going football. to private school? No, we we did a, like academy. We, we had an academy yeah, in Russia. It was like a Christian school for. Uh, missionary kids so it was like kind of a ministry that started because there was somebody there um, that saw a need for like the missionary kids to socialize together and to be able to build friendships you know with other Americans or English-speaking kids and it ended up becoming mostly a uh, an Asian type school eventually um, but during our years there, there were a lot of missionary kids there, but missionaries started to leave Russia, and as they left, there became less and less people, and they still had to fund the school, so they opened it up to the embassies that were there, so the Korean embassy sent a lot of students there, um, and some of the uh, people from um, the Anglo-American school over there, the, the expats would send their kids there if they had a conservative background, and so that's kind of what funded the school, um, and so that the, the missionaries could afford to send their kids there. So but anyway, so yeah, that's what we had over there. 
and then homeschool was up until that point. So up until 10th grade, I was homeschooled. Um, and then, so that junior year in high school is really like, even though I went to Hinkson, which was the name of the school over there, um, my 10th grade year, it's like very much under my parents, you know, um, uh, just teaching and training and, and things like that. Whereas going to that high school, uh, it was uh, century high school in Hillsboro. And, uh, it was my first taste of freedom, if you will, or I stayed with my aunt and uncle and, uh, uh, the school, the high school is right across the street from the house that they, they own there. And so, so they keep an eye on yeah, you. Yeah. No bus, no bus rides. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, and so I went to school there and just for that fall semester playing football and, it was the first time I was ever introduced to like unbelievers being all around me, like, like people that had no desire to hear anything about God or, or talk about it, or it wasn't even in their upbringing at all. And, uh, and so that was crazy. Outside of basically all the Russian people that you were I mean, you lived in Russia. Yes, yes, outside, people. yes. But it was still <laughs> foreign. Other Americans, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I should, yeah, other Americans, yeah. And so uh, so that was a eye-opening experience. Culture shock, really. Um, reverse that, culture shock? Yeah, reverse culture shock, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just uh, seeing and talking to atheists, uh, Mormons, you know, a lot of Jehovah's Witness, you know, people that were just, non-denominational like i don't want to put a name on my faith you know agnostic yeah all that you know and um and it was eye-opening to see that they were still people you know because as you're brought up sometimes it's the world you know what i mean and and so us against the world and it can feel that way and so but getting to know those people and uh, loving those people, you know, opening up your social structure to them to allow them to become important to you. Uh, it was, it was a very new experience for me. And that was my first step, I think, into adulthood was understanding, okay, this is what life's going to be like, really. Um, and so, yeah. It was an awesome time. I made some friendships, really, really good friendships. It's the first time ever was introduced to homosexuality as well. You know, I'd always heard about it, but there were people in that public school that were openly, you know, uh, you know, gay and fine with it, you know, and, and. This is like late 2000s, mid 2000s? Yeah, 2002, I think. Yeah, 2002. 2002. Yeah, 2003, yeah. Oh no, two thousand and one because I remember that's when uh, oh seven, uh, September nine eleven happened. Yeah, so while I was going to that school, I remember waking up one day and seeing that. So yeah, it was two thousand one. So, but yeah, just uh, but also what was interesting about that is just talking to those, you know, the people that were so anti, you know, God or anti Christian or or just had no interest in it whatsoever just how they were still personable and you could talk to them and they had, 
interesting conversations and um, it was really it's life-changing in that aspect of understanding that like they still had a moral compass yeah yeah they had a code even though it's not my exact code they had their own way of doing things and things that were important to them and standards and yeah what do you think is the optimum because i mean we both have obviously i obviously i grew up in the states but we both have the somewhat like protected Mm. upbringing yeah sheltered sheltered that's the word i'm looking for sheltered upbringing you know and i had i knew i definitely had more of an understanding of you know, this is how most of people live is different yeah. than I live sure. or different than my family lives or mm-hmm. et cetera. You know, most people don't believe the same kind of things that I believe or, or that we believe. Sure. But, and you have kids now that are, yeah. you know, going to be going to have to be contending with stuff like this. Like, what do you think is the optimal if there is such a thing, what do you think is the optimal method of easing them into this? Like, okay, I don't want them, you know, I don't want to throw, I don't want to be thrown to the wolves. I don't want my kids being thrown sure. to the wolves, you know, and just getting, it's, it's a lot to process at a, before a certain age, Yeah, processing everything that can happen in the world all the bad things all of the even on a global stage like all of the horrible things that happen all over the world yeah when do you start taking away the the innocence Mm. in that regard is it a gradual process do you think it's more effective to have kind of like you did where you had a year it was just like okay i'm a i'm a certain age now yeah. Time to get real. Time to find out what the world is about. Not in a direct way, like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna do all sure everything. I'm just gonna go to the parties. I'm gonna get, you know, I'm just gonna go try it. Yeah. But when is the introduction most effective, you think? Mm. I think it's gonna be different for every kid. That's something that um is is very up to the parents to understand the heartbeat of their kid, to see where their relationship with God is, where their um, moral standards are, um, where their... Like maturity. Yeah, maturity. Wisdom. Yeah, wisdom to understand, like, not to live in the moment, but to understand the consequences of actions. And that's something that is so evident, I think, in that needs to be evident in upbringing is just that there's consequences, good or bad, to every action we make. And, and every person that lives in the moment, that doesn't think about the future and stuff, they're always going to give in to, and it's, they're going to give in to their desires. They're going to give in to their, what are their natural instincts, so to speak, will lead them to. And it'll take them always down farther than they expected they'd ever go. 
And so back to your question about when that would be when they're young, keep the innocence as much as you can. Because once it's gone, it can never go back. And so as far as foul language, bad words, seeing bad things for the first time, sometimes that's out of your control, you know, but. I have a dumb analogy. Okay. I look at it as like, I think this is some comedy bit I heard at one point. Okay. It's like, okay, you don't want your kid to be the first kid that learns that Santa Claus is not real. Yeah. But you also don't want your kid to be the last kid to learn that Santa Claus is real because that guy's a dummy. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. okay, you got to hit this. It's yeah. like you can apply that to everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, okay, you got to hit it at a certain point mm-hmm. where they're not coming to school or talking to their friends and they're the first one that introduces everybody to certain things. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but they're also yeah, wise enough to be like, okay, I'm 20 and I don't know certain <laughs> exactly. things. Yes. Or exactly. I don't know what, you, nothing like graphic. I'm sure. just talking about like life. Yeah. Life. Like, yeah. oh, what you know. people do. How people live, yeah. How the average American exists, you know, the vices, the 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 internet, how to be safe, how to, you know, people rob people, people do bad things to other people. Yep. It's if especially if you grew up on Disney, you know. (laughs) Oh yeah. Don't get me started on Disney. They're on the naughty list. Yeah, especially now, right? Especially now. See, it was funny because when I was growing up. My parents, Disney's always been on the naughty list for me. Oh, okay. My yeah. parents got on that wagon early. <laughs> like everybody now is like, boycott Disney. Yeah. You know, they're all this and that. All the conservatives are very yeah. anti-Disney. Yeah. And we grew up with all these wholesome videos and or, or wholesome movies and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, my parents were like, no. No. <laughs> they saw it 20 years ago somehow that yeah. Disney was this... They had an agenda. Yep, they've, they've always they've been it, pushing it every it, year. And it's manifest. It I, mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear even to the the average consumer yeah. that there's an agenda there. Definitely. And the thing is, with anything, the agenda's been there before you could see it. Definitely. Always is. It's always yeah. been there. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't recognize it until it got so blatant. Yeah. And my parents, somehow, they 20 years ago, they were like, mm. nope. Yeah. No Disney. No Disney. We do not support this organization. (laughs) Like, okay. I mean, I didn't really have a, I had other things to do as a kid. Sure. Watch Disney movies. It didn't, I've never viewed that as hurting me. You know, like I missed out on all these, these Disney movies. I'm so broken. Yeah. Right. No, I'm fine. I don't know all the songs. I don't know all this. Yeah. (laughs) Less stupid songs to have in my head. Right. (laughs) does not hurt my feelings uh, at all it's like yeah. going to disney world it's like people oh we went to disney world okay, that has zero and i mean zero appeal yes to go to disney world for, especially as an adult yeah oh man with no children currently <laughs> not happening yeah exactly. you'd be reported you walk in well, who's this well, no there's so many people that do it yeah that's true yeah and it's these people that that you know and God bless them. I don't have anything against them. Yeah. But it's like, okay, if you're going to Disney World with no kids as an adult. Yeah. Okay. Come on, buddy. Hmm. Time to grow. I have questions. <laughs> it's, it's time to move on.org here. Yeah. 
and I think I, you know, I think there are there is a lot of Disney's movies and and property that probably did have net positive effects. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, wholesome content. There yeah. was some good wholesome, morals. Yeah, wholesome content, good yeah. morals. But yeah, my parents were nope. Yeah, we're cutting it off at the pass. Oh yeah, yeah, and so you're getting Hallmark movies. Yeah, so that's <laughs> like uh, going back to your question, just a a very hard question to just give such a generalized answer to. Well, I um, think you saying, you know, it depends on the kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It really does. So, yeah. And seeing where they are. And, and, and honestly, I, I would test kids, you know, when they're younger, like if you give them a phone, what are they attracted to? Or if you let them play video games, what games are they interested in? And, and see, and that gives you an idea of, okay, these are the things that I can see that he's going to struggle with or she's going to struggle with. So I've got to help prepare her for that or him for that in their, in their life. So they, they aren't caught off guard. You know, kids are going to fall. They're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. hundred percent. But, but if you equip them well enough how to recover from those mistakes, they don't become catastrophic mistakes. You know what I mean? You know, I think that's so. the key is yeah. to avoid the the big ones. Yes. And if so. you can avoid the big ones. Yep. Everybody, it's like everybody has a certain amount of mistakes that they're going to make. Yeah, exactly. And it's just choose your mistakes wisely. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, and that's where I think some parents struggle with, especially maybe some that were blessed enough or, or taught well enough I don't know to avoid a lot of mistakes or whether they were sheltered all the way till marriage and now they're sheltered in their marriage you know or whatever it is to where they've made so few mistakes when they see their kids make mistakes the reaction to that and just how they treat it like it's catastrophic exactly really yeah and that's and then it drives the kid further that way as opposed to showing the love and forgiveness you know that Bible teaches, you know, and shows us as an example of, and, and just what every, every kid that's lost and growing up and has no idea what they want to do or where they want to go, that they just have somebody that's in their corner. That's, Hey, I'm here. You know, yeah, shouldn't have done that probably, but that's all right. Let's learn and not do it again, you know, and, and move on, you know, and that's so, so much more needed, I think, than the screaming and I can't believe you did this and how dare you, you know, and all that, that, that can easily happen, you know, because you're ashamed that your kids become worse than what you see yourself as having become or something. And, yeah. And we, I mean, we both had that growing up because yeah. both of our parents were, they made some of the bad mistakes, yeah. right? Sure. You know, not to get into specifics, but like sure. they went down, you know, they were the ones that looked at us like, you are not going to make yeah. these decisions. Like these aren't even on the table. Yeah. They were saved later in life. Yeah. <laughs> or you know? Some, you know. <laughs> and trying to find that yep. balance of, it's like this, how much rope do you let them have? Yeah. How much rope, when and how much? And that's another thing. You let that- them have a little bit, you pull it back a little bit. Well, that's the thing that you'll find too is you'll make mistakes. You'll give them too much rope, and then you'll see them fall on their face, and you'll see, 
that's on me. I I knew better than to give him that yeah. much rope, you know, and that and that's that's where balancing all that with job, with finances, with ministry, with all these different church and you know school and everything that's included in that, it's it's tough. And it takes an effort, a, a very diligent effort. And we've both seen it go the other way. Yeah. You don't give them enough rope. Yep. And that's yep. arguably just as bad. Well, I always say... I it. mean, not bad in the traditional sense, but yep. it's arguably... The effect on their life is just as notable. Well, what I say, I always say, if you don't give them enough rope, they make a slingshot. And then they go... Way out there. Have you have yeah. you ever been around any Amish people? You familiar with the Amish? I know, yeah, about them. I grew up going through some of their, you know, we'd see them on the side of the road, and but not not like I haven't dug in deep into their belief system. So but. they part of their belief system is when you grow up Amish. Mm-hmm. I may be getting this totally wrong. My apologies, yeah. but my understanding is you grow up Amish, and most Amish churches. You have at like 16, you go on Rumspringer. Okay. It's like this thing that you do where you go outside of the Amish community and live however you want to Mm. for like a year. Wow. And you, if you want to be, continue to be Amish, you have to come back and get baptized into the Amish church and then then you're Amish for the rest of your life. But they give you this opportunity, like, okay, go have a taste. And then see. And, and surprisingly enough, their return rate is like 95%. It's mm. incredibly high. Yeah. Mm. But, and I don't agree, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't agree with the concept of the free reign. You go from having no... You're, you're Amish. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a cliche. Yeah. You're Amish to having, okay, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. At 16 or 17 years old or whatever yeah. it is, like that's catastrophic. Sure. You'd think. Yeah. Yet 95% of them come back. Yeah. That it just that concept is interesting to me. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on that? Yeah, for me, like, well, I don't I don't know how if all practice it or if it's a it's only certain. Amish that do that. I think I have heard of that before, but I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. Right. I read this yeah. on the internet. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Actually, I I have been to like the Pennsylvania Amish country, but okay. You know who knows if they're yeah. telling the truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, it's kind of interesting because, and I don't know how deep we want to go into this. Not very deep. Uh, yeah, but uh, okay, no, uh, not deep. Cl- That's what I'll go then. Cliff notes. <laughs> Cliff notes. Okay, so so I think uh, in essence, that's kind of another way of raising your children, uh, and I and I've seen that um, of people saying it's your choice. You know, if you want to do this, okay, I'm still gonna love you. You're still gonna be my kid still going to support you but okay it's your choice if you want to do this and they explain the consequences of the dangers and things like that um but ultimately they they don't guide towards a specific path instead they 
leave the paths open and say, all right, you choose. And the difficulty with that um, is on the Amish side, um, from my understanding of that, they're kind of excommunicated from the community if they don't come back. I do believe that is yeah. correct. And so there's kind of a, you're not just losing your freedom or you're not just gaining freedom, but you're losing your family. And so that's, that's a tough one. I mean, it's basically saying if you want your freedom so bad and we're so horrible, then go ahead. And, and that's but a lot different. If, but if you grow up that way, you don't even have a concept of it. Yeah being different yeah i mean it's just like you know like we were talking about earlier you grew up in the states and having never traveled anywhere you don't have any concept of what other places are like this is all you've known yeah and then you say okay i mean it's like taking an american saying at 18 years old yeah and saying okay i mean kind of like it okay go live in latvia for a year and if you like Latvia so much, stay there forever. Yeah. Otherwise, come back yeah. and you're here for the rest of your life. Yeah. You have this one opportunity to make this choice. Yeah, and I think that's it's very similar to like what you're saying. But Amish do see others around them too, you know. And I think they see, I mean, they are definitely very secluded communities. Yeah. But when they go to the store or they go do things, I mean fully self-sufficient Amish communities I think are pretty rare nowadays. And so I think they see a lot of um, the world, I guess, in their eyes. And so, um, but yeah, it's an interesting concept of, well, if pleasure is what drives you, go see. But especially a year, I mean, that's a good amount of time. A lot can happen in a year. And so a lot can I mean, happen in a year. That's for another sure. thing is, is like, man, if they wonder if they send them through like an education before they go out and do that or how all that I, works. I have like, no idea. I have. Yeah. This is a, again, yeah. cliff notes. Yes. I, cliff just, notes, yes, I read yeah. this on the internet. No, I got you. I got you. But, and so, but yeah, I, I, just, I will yeah. say, I mean, every, the few interactions that I've had, cause there's really, few Amish on the West Coast, like yeah. very few mm-hmm. versus like the East Coast where yeah. or Midwest, yeah. Or the Midwest part yeah. portions of the Midwest. Portions, yeah. Like you can actually you know, deal with them on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. And but all of my interactions that I've had with them when I was on the East Coast were I mean they seem happy. Yeah. They seem like happy people. I even thought about it for a while <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. this seems pretty cool yeah. you know well a lot of i think a lot of what they practice um is evident in scripture as far as removing distractions removing things that waste your time that keep you from fulfilling your full potential of you know what what you're supposed to be um and, and that's a lot of those ideas of removing the entertainment, removing electricity, removing these things that that man has placed such an importance on and showing that they can live without it. I think of all the things in my very limited experience right. 
<laughs> of all the things that I found most interesting about their kind of their way of their rules mm-hmm. is you don't take pictures. They don't take pictures of mm. themselves. Yeah. And it's become one of those things, I mean, that's so... It's so common. Yeah. To take pictures of yourself. Oh, yeah. And nobody ever... I mean, how many people ever sat down and thought, hmm, I wonder if it's good <laughs> to be taking pictures of myself all yeah. the time or to have pictures of me. Everywhere, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Like, and they're... Their basis for the rule is scriptural yeah. in that, you know, they believe that you're not supposed to have any graven image. Yeah. And they view photographs hmm. of people as graven yeah. images, which, okay. That's American Idol is what they call uh, yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other yeah, problem. <laughs> but just like, and they're the only, I mean, they're such a unique group they're the only ones that i can think of that would even be able to attempt to like split test yeah that. yeah like what is, what is the effect on the mind not looking at any photographs of people man like only your only people i mean i'm sure they see i mean they live in the real world they yeah. see billboards you know sure, and stuff yeah. but like in their house no photographs of people like the only thing I see is real people. Yeah. Like what is that? How does that affect the mind? How do all these photographs? I mean, we only had photographs for like not even 200 years. Yeah. How does having all these photographs of people, especially us, yeah, affect our mind? Or affect our sense of self, affect how we view ourselves? How selfish and proud we've become. And how much time, you know, we spend looking at those photos. Like, that's the other thing. Like, when you're having a rough day, you know, or you want to be somewhere else, you go to the vacation photos or, like, me and my wife, we love watching videos of our kids that we took of her them growing up and how they've changed and just how you could still see their personality even at that age, you know, and all that, like it's captivating. I guess that's the best word for it. It's, it's like I live that and now I want to relive that. And, and how much time, how interesting would any social media be without pictures? I'd be, (laughs) it would be, uh, you remember forums? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> blogs, that's what it would yeah. be. Blogs. Yeah. Even blogs have pictures. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Like forums and, yep. and newspapers. And even newspapers had pictures. Yeah. Like, yep. But I don't know. I just, and I don't think pictures are, yeah, I don't think pictures are wrong. Yeah, I no. think pictures are fine. Yeah. But just to think about how such a big part of our lives they are. Yeah. And there was a point where they weren't. Yeah. And now videos. I oh, mean, take it to a up. 10x level yep, with exactly. video. And yep. then, oh, now it's 20 second videos that you can watch back to back to yeah, back to back exactly. to back. Yeah. Like, whoa, what does yeah. that do to a human? And their attention span and their critical thinking and yeah, all those things. It's just, yeah. It's, and you that's, might, oh, if you, fun. if you live before, 
1840 is 1840-ish. Yeah. You either a never had a likeness of you made. Yeah. Period. Yeah. If you were poor. Yeah. Or you might have had if you were moderate. You know, socioeconomically, maybe you had one painting commissioned. Yeah. Of you when you were old. Mm-hmm. Or somebody painted your face and yeah. probably didn't get it right. Yeah. <laughs> You know? When is a painting ever captured? I mean, look at That's George perfect. Washington. We really don't know yeah. what the guy looked like. He could have yeah. been really ugly, yeah. but yeah. you know, he gave the painter an yeah. extra twenty, and yeah. it's like tighten this up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's like we have no idea what any of these no people idea. looked like. Yeah, like that's mind-boggling now to say anybody, everyone. Yeah, at least in North America, everyone's got. Multiple pictures. Oh yeah, real, true to size, true to form pictures mm-hmm. versus prior to the photograph. Yeah, we have no one hundred percent accurate. Yeah, way of knowing what anyone looked like that I can think of. And what's so interesting is didn't matter. No, I mean, long run. Okay, you got thousands a of years. Yeah, didn't matter. It's like. You go and you see, you know, you watch a movie or something, they go into an attic and there's this old pictures of people. It means nothing. You'll never know who they were. You don't care and you never will. And that's just so interesting and goes back to scripture about our life being a vapor. You know, it's just like here and gone, you know, it's like puff, there it goes, man. That's uh, oh, it's a huge. That's a deep hole. It's a very, very deep hole. Yeah, and it's an accelerating. Yeah, like just the technology now is so accelerating. Well, yeah, and there, you know, we'll probably get into this more in other episodes or whatever. But you see the stuff they're doing with like Neuralink and like these modifications of having chips that will allow you to remember everything. Like there'll be enough storage on those chips to where you can relive your whole life if you want to. Everything. Never forget anything because everything is recorded. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. That's a deep rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I think because we were talking about photos and videos. Yeah. Photos and videos really, you know, especially personal photos, yeah. they're like a analog of that yeah. in that we use them to recall events because we don't have perfect memory. <sighs> we can look at a photo and go, oh, yes, that's I was there. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that. Like that sparks a memory. I but was to, that skinny once. But to, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yikes. But yeah. to just have that at instant. Yeah. Like yeah. I can sit here and remember my entire life, every everything. Oh man. With perfect clarity. Mm. I don't think you'd really want that. I don't yeah. I think that's a double edged sword, man. I mean it's a, time's easy on the mind. Yeah. It helps you forget. One well, and how we how we what's the word I'm looking for? Um we forget the things that 
we don't want to remember so easily, you know, not the main things, but the failures, the F's on tests, the, you know, things that, you know, convenient memory, I guess that's what, that's what we all have to some extent, you know, and, you know, we remember bad things that shape us and that were really some of the craziest things that happened to us, but most of the time we forget the the, the day to day yeah. bombers. Yeah. Yeah. Just stubbing your toes. You know, can you imagine if you could relive that <laughs> all the pain that you go through and actually feel the pain. Oh. I mean, somebody would enjoy it, I'm sure, but yeah. You know, I it, it's like when Elon says in one of his more recent interviews, it's like my mind is a storm. Yeah. And I don't think most people would want to be me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, when you look at someone like that, yeah, everybody knows what that situation is. You look at yeah. someone like that and you go, he's serious. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of guys that are rich that are like, Psh, yeah. Everyone would want to yeah, be me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's like, no. No. It's not worth it. Like, you wouldn't want to trade. You might think you do. But you wouldn't want to trade your happy little life yeah. for this. Yeah. Because it's just nonstop. I've thought about that too, and like a lot. And just, it brings me to this thought process of, okay, what if money didn't exist? The pursuit of money didn't exist. Because that's where he's at. He, if he spent flamboyantly the rest of his life he couldn't spend all his money even if he tried that way amateurs yeah right <laughs> so <laughs> and so like so i think he's at the point where he's like money doesn't matter anymore i've conquered that and so now he's looking of how do i make my mark to become something bigger than i am and I think that's where a lot of his inspiration and stuff comes from. Now, he still wants to make more money because he wants to be the richest man that ever lived and no one beats him, I'm sure. Like, that's somebody in that position usually has that motivation as well. But, but money, I mean, it's just a competition at this point. It's just a way of keeping score. Yeah, exactly. That's really what yeah, it is. That's it. At that yeah. level, yep. once you've past a certain threshold that's yeah. pretty i mean pretty low yeah comparatively speaking when you're talking about somebody like a billionaire yeah like once you pass a certain threat it's just a way of keeping score yeah. and lawyers will tell you that yeah exactly they're like yeah. the fees are just you know who won this year yeah you know the the salaries and all that's mm -hmm. the bonuses it's just you know we have everything we want they exactly. still want to do this thing because they like to do it yeah and they just use money as, ah, this is a game. Well, and I think also there's certain people, like I think Elon Musk is one of those that when he became financially free, I think there was a point in time where he just realized, I hate not working. Like I want to be doing something. I want meaning. Yeah, I don't want to just sit on a beach the rest of my life and watch life go by. But he's to the point where he's like, I want to make it more. And I think Trump 
is the same thing. Like, why is he running for office now? Okay, last time he gained, I think, a lot, monetarily speaking, <laughs> from his time in the White House and everything that happened there. But, well, why is he running again then? Because, well, some could argue, well, he wants more money. Well, okay. But I think it's more so that he's got, again, enough money, more than he knows and wants to do with. And he wants to make a mark and, and become bigger than himself. And I think that's where we're seeing a lot of these modern billionaires. Bill Gates, same thing, you know, trying to control the future of AI. Like their their desire to do more and become more. And that's why I think, you know, Musk did, you know, start SpaceX and wants to become multiplanetary because... I'm sorry, you start the first base on Mars, people are going to remember you. You demand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no one. <laughs> so No one's done that. Nope, and they can't do it again. You know, I mean, say what you want. Neil Armstrong, first guy on the moon, right? And There's so, never going to be another never first. Never going to be another first, and we know it. And so, so you know, I think he's trying to, but also I, th- I think that he does have a desire to, to advance technology as far as he possibly can in his lifetime. Where do you think the where do you think the motivation comes from? Do you think it's cuz I don't think with certain people it's pure self appreciating. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think it's I'm doing this for me. Yeah. Do you think there's a love for humanity embedded in some of these things? Especially I, I look at Musk and, and all the things that he's done that are capitalistic for sure. sure. Like sure. there's money to be made, mm-hmm. but putting channeling the effort into something that will benefit society. Yeah. Not just like a finance bro on yeah. wall street. And I think that's part of the reason he is so you know, much more famous, I guess, yeah. is that at least at one point or other, I think a lot of people looked at him and thought unconsciously, at least that I think this, this guy really has a, a love for humanity that yeah. he's willing to not just sit on the beach drinking yeah. margaritas for the rest of his life. Yeah. Like he knows he has resources and he's mm-hmm. using those resources in a way that benefits more people than just him if yeah. not benefits probably the most people at one time that we've seen in a generation yeah i think it's uh i think he has a desire to do good you know some of the the interviews that you've seen you know that you see that he'll he'll, he'll go through and do you can't fake it that much you know what i mean like yeah. y- even somebody that's said the same thing over and over again. Um, You can kind of tell eventually if they believe it or not, you know. So I think that is present, you know. Um, And, you know, he talks about (coughs) where he formulated his worldview of of God or evolution, of all that stuff, and he studied every religion extensively. And, um, and, uh, he said that the one that he's, if he had to choose, it would be Christianity. And he called it the teachings of Jesus. That's what he said yeah. is 
turning the other cheek and these principles that Jesus taught. Um, he agrees with what they are. Um, and he was asked, you know, how do you stop the war, you know, in Russia and Ukraine or Hamas and Israel? And, uh, and his answer was, well, I think you need to, somebody needs to do conspicuous acts of kindness. Yeah, I remember listening remember to that. that. Conspicuous yeah. acts of and that, kindness. So it's such a unique way of putting it, but just basically a very public, very, you can't deny that they're just showing love to the one that hates them. And that's such a principle from, from the Bible. And that's right where he got it. He's even said that, you know, that it's that principle of not just turning the other cheek, but loving your enemy and that was foreign before Jesus said it, even in scripture. I mean, even in the Old Testament, anywhere. It's still foreign. Yeah, exactly, right? That hasn't changed. Do, yeah, I think, I think, it's I remember, just known now. I, I remember the first uh, time, uh, I think I heard somebody interview Trump, and they said, uh, do you love your enemies? And he's like, that's a hard thing to do. That's that was, and that's such a wise answer. Instead of giving an answer, like of course, yeah, yeah of course, yes, I love I, my enemies. I do my best, you know. Instead, he's like, "Can you even do that? Can one even do that?" You know, and that's just, yeah. Anyway, it's. I had a, yeah. I heard an interesting take on that. Some podcast that I listened to. It's like the love your enemies thing. Yeah, that's. A, Deeper than it sounds. Awesome. Because your enemies can teach you more about you than anyone else can, right? Oh, yeah. Like your your family, your friends, they... There's certain things that you're just not going to benefit from. Like they can't provide you with certain information. They'll always filter... They'll always yeah. filter. Yeah. There'll always there'll always be, and that's good. Yeah, like exactly. you need that. Yeah, you do. You need that support. But yeah, like if you really want to grow in whatever aspect, and physically in business, and you know, in your physically, spiritually, mentally, if you really want to grow and get better, there comes a point where only having your allies' mm. input, yeah, isn't enough. Yeah. Like, and it, you have to, it's the old maxim, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah. There's really a lot of things because your enemies are going to be the only one that can say certain, that will, that will say certain things, mm-hmm. that will criticize you, yeah. that will take you down, yep. that will, you know, slander you. They're and looking in, for the bad so they can throw it in your face. And in those moments, you know, if you are careful yeah, and you pay attention, you know, and you don't just turn red. Yeah. Or just discount. Or just discount. Like, oh, yeah. you know, they're, Whatever. they're yeah. this, they're that. Yeah. It's like you can spot flaws mm-hmm. in your own self. Yep. Like, okay, I can see this now. I could never see it before. Yeah. I would have never saw this if it was just me and my family and my little group. Yeah. You know, us against the world. Sure. And I think that's one of the one of the major problems with living ice you know, the isolationist, you know, 
we're the only ones that are right. Our views are the only ones, not even sheltered, just that the the diehard superiority of thought. You know, instead of going, okay, if I love my enemies, and I think I'm, I'm thinking primarily, you know, intellectual, not really on a personal level, although the same, I think the principle applies. But if I love my enemies and I listen to their criticisms, you know, maybe 90% of the time, it's like nothing. Yeah. But they are going to point things out that you can fix or that you can work on, you know, flaws. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. And I think the ability to do that and then, you know, reciprocate in a different manner. Yeah. Obviously, as as the the scripture goes, you know, love your enemies, do good to them that curse you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. It's like that's a hard person to take down. Somebody that can that's mastered those things. Yeah, because the amount of self improvement that you get out of that. You know, from taking in the criticism, from from continually giving when there's not only nothing in return, there's malice in return, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. okay, I'm not, it's not like I'm just throwing into an empty pot here with my time and resources. Mm-hmm. I'm getting like bad yeah. back. Constant. And I keep doing it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a character builder. Man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, that's what. You were talking about that, and it instantly made me think of Putin because uh, for the first week or two of the the whole invasion into Ukraine, he heard nothing but positive reports. Yeah, we're doing great there. We're going to take it up. And, I mean, there was such a defeat. I mean, Russia should There's no reason Russia doesn't take over and, I mean, hold Ukraine. The United States of America, boy. It just, there's no reason, the way they invaded, the way they prepared, everything was solid. And then Ukraine just stuck their heels in the sand and said, nope, this is our country. They had some help. Oh, for sure. I mean, they had some serious help. Like if it was just (laughs) 1v1. Yeah, yeah. No. Yes, this this was not the America versus Great Britain revolutionary. I don't care how bad. Russia flummoxed to their sure. initial invasion. They yeah. would have decimated. Yes. And and that's the, but that's, but like we saw the defeats, you know, but that's what they said is that Putin had s- nothing but support around him that he doesn't even hear the wars going on bad, you know, until after the rest of the world already knows about it. Xi's in yeah. the same boat. In China. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a bubble. You're living yeah. in a bubble. Mm hmm. Nothing but support around you, and it causes you to become stagnant. And Those colored glasses. Yep, that's what it is. Like, so yeah, you were mentioning that. That's what I remember hearing hearing that while we were here and just reading reports on that and just how, yeah, there well, were just reports of Putin going into depression and things when he found that out, like the mistakes he made by the people that he put around him and stuff like. Who knows if any of it's true, but I mean. Still, I mean, it makes sense, you know. I mean, yeah. it's embarrassing, really. It's a common problem yeah. for dictators, yeah, too. Definitely, like, yeah. One hundred percent. That's yep. that's not the first time. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, I mean, having that ability mm -hmm. to keep your enemies, or, you know, keep their rebuttals, yeah, on the forefront, it does nothing but make you stronger. I mean, it'd almost be like if a Republican ran for president but chose a Democrat for his vice president. <laughs> Oh, that's some dangerous territory. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's like, you know, I'm just trying to put it in the modern day example of how insane that would sound, you know? Well, I think it's insane because we're, we've gotten so used to the, the fact that that's not a possibility. Yeah. Like no one in their right mind would do yes. that. Mm -hmm. But really, if you, it's like a snowball. Yeah. The snow, if the snowball gets going either way, yeah. either down in the division mm -hmm. or down the, okay, we're actually going to listen to each other. Yeah. We're actually going to, you know, you're still my enemy yeah. on the political stage, mm -hmm. but we're going to be close. Yeah. Like we're going to, I will take in your criticisms of me yes. mm -hmm. and you will take in my criticisms of you mm -hmm. and we will use that to bolster our would use that information to patch the holes yes in the side of the Make ship both of us better yeah you know and that's man what would that do yeah right yeah yeah that's i've had this fascination with rfk okay i, I don't know what your experience is with them mm -hmm. or if you need to be getting going no i'm going ahead. okay uh, i was just seeing how long we've been going yeah, there's a timer right there oh, okay oh cool but I'm I'm still on the fence. Yeah. I and I I try to be open minded. Sure. And I, I look at and you know, I consume I think his strategy first off is yeah. I mean, pretty solid for an independent candidate now that he's running as an independent. Mm -hmm. And I see that kind of you know, sort of like in we were talking about Musk that a little bit bigger than yourself love for humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you listen to enough of his conversations, yeah, that's something you, I don't think you can fake yeah. for too long. Like yeah. you could fake it for a while. Sure. Yeah. And I think all, all politicians really do. Yeah, but if you, extent, yeah. if you, if you sit and have conversations for hours and hours and hours on end, there comes a point where you can't fake it. Yeah. I don't think he's faking it. Yeah. I don't think he's faking, you know, I don't, nobody's going to agree on every little thing. Sure. But he's one of the few people that you see that in. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the few people that appears that he's taking information from both sides. Yeah. You know, for you like taking information from everybody, you know, and there's political mumbo jumbo that's, you know, you just kind of have to play ball, right? Yeah, you got to yeah. play the game. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to watch that resonate with younger people. If yeah. you, I, I check polls every once in a while, sure. and he's pulling heavy yeah. with 18 to 45. Yeah. Like, I think he's got a very good majority mm -hmm. over the other two yeah. in that age, age group. Yeah, and I think, I think that that age group is 
sick and tired of being defined as one side or the other. And I think everyone's desiring something new. And honestly, I think that's part of why we saw Trump take come into power. Because I think there were enough, you know, from the more liberal side that were willing to come over because they're just so tired of the same old things. Same same old Republicans getting in and doing whatever Paul says they do versus the Democrats getting in and reversing those and putting their own policies in and just going back and forth. And, and, uh, and I think that, honestly, both Obama and Donald Trump brought people to the polls that some have never been, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, and I think that's where you saw that. Like, because... Like when Obama got reelected, I remember being in, in shock of that. And just because of a lot of, you know, just different things, what America had to go through during a lot of those things, the 08 crisis. And just like, I mean, it's just like, how, how do you get reelected in that? You know, but I think that he brought so many people that honestly didn't care until he was in power. And the same with Trump, too, like people that were anti-government, anti, you know, a lot of that type of stuff. I think he Trump resonated with that because of his rallies, because of his work that he put in going around the country, you know. Dude was funny. Yeah. <laughs> he still is, is funny. Yes, he's I don't care yeah. what you think yeah, yeah. politics wise. <laughs> I mean, you laugh, no yes. better comedian has graced the public stage. Yeah. <laughs> Than Donald J. Trump. Oh, man. Yep. It's true. And he knows how to work a crowd, man. Oh, oh master. Master at that, man. That's, And that's not... You think if you're a politician, you have to be able to do that. But it's so absent. Most of them are totally yeah, inept. Yeah, and they, you don't want to listen to them. There's a reason nobody watches the debates. I mean, <laughs> even the, you know, the... The middle left, yep, you know, group, yeah, looks and goes, yeah, we can't compete, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. big Joe can't compete, no, nope. nope. he's not there, like it's so obvious, but not to go down that rabbit hole too much. Sure. I was yeah. just, and I don't even like, I'm not all for RFK, sure, yeah, Junior. Yeah. I just think. It's a, such a refreshing and unique yeah. thing to have happen. And everybody everybody you talk to that's older than us is like, it's just another Ross Perot. It's yeah. just going to split the vote. You, yeah, know, we yeah. can't, you cannot win as an independent in the United States of America. We've yeah. only had 46 presidents. Yeah. Okay. We're only a couple people old. Oh, seriously. Like I was talking to my, my wife last countries. night. I'm like, okay. I knew a person when, when I was a kid. That lived to be 100 years old. She was born in 1910, mm. two years before the RMS Titanic went down. Oh. And I knew her. Wow. I, I cut conversations with her. You know, she lived through World War One, World War Two, Vietnam. Okay. Okay. Let's say she knew somebody that was born in 1840. Mm -hmm. 1840. Okay. So she knew somebody. That person knew somebody that was born before the United States was independent. Wow. What is that? 
I knew her, she knew somebody, they knew somebody. Three people. That's also a Joe Rogan comedy bit, I believe. But <laughs> I was this was a, yeah. a somewhat original thought. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, I knew this person. Yeah. That was two people removed from the founding of this country. Yeah. It's like, don't tell me nothing can happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Come on. We're so young. 45, pre- 46 presidents. Mm-hmm. The max you can serve now is eight years. Yeah. It's like anything can happen. Yeah. Well, especially when there's been such a desire for new. I think that's the generations that are coming up. They don't, they don't care if it's right. They don't care if it's wrong. They just want new, something different than what has been. And we see that in churches. We see that in politics, society, everything, you know. Do you think that's a factor of, do you think a big factor of that is just because it's like so chaotic and like they just want something different? Or do you think it's because there's bored? Or do you think it's because that they see that it's really not working this way and they want to try something that will hopefully work better? Yeah, I think I think it's a mixture of of those things for sure. Um, but I will say too, I think that the age that we're in, we've never been had so much information at our fingertips, fingertips, and been able to fact check and just verify what people are saying as much as we do today. And so, unprecedented. With, yeah, it's unprecedented. And, and the amount of enabling and enablement that that gives a person to think that I know as much as you know, because we both rely on Google. You know? <laughs> we both rely on the knowledge that the information that's out there for everyone, you know. But there's still a certain danger in that. Yeah. Because, well, if there's only one information source for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Who controls that information source? Mm-hmm. So if you got to have multiple information sources, like we had that at one point. Yeah. Before the internet, we had basically a really handful of information sources. Yeah. And it was, there was a pseudo hegemony or peace because of it. Yeah. You know, we were all on the same page, literally the same page in the newspaper. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you had the New York Times, you had the LA Times, you had whatever. Everybody got their news from basically the same place. The channel, whatever, on TV Mm -hmm. at 6 o'clock, everybody was on the same page. And that just got blown out of the water. Yeah. Especially the last 10 years. And now it's like, we don't, that's not a unifying factor anymore. We don't get the same information. People just, yeah. Well, and, and to me, it's, we go back to like that loving your enemies idea. Or, or being open to listening to your enemies. Like, if somebody never, is a conservative, never turns on CNN, all they do is listen to Fox News or whatever their side is saying, then you're, you're just repeating what people have done in the past, and you're not being open to that criticism. And, you know, and then when you run into people on a street and you're trying to, talk about your own personal views where well, you're not even going to know what they're going to say, you know, and then they'll throw you off. And it's, it's like you, you can't win a, you can't win an argument with somebody 
where you can't argue their argument. Yeah. My dad took a, he's, we were talking about this the other day. He took a, uh, a writing class mm-hmm. 20, 30 years ago in college. He said it stuck with him more than anything else. Oh. He took this writing class and he had to write a paper, an argument. It was like an argumentative writing class. Yeah. And to write a paper and they said, before you write this paper, your, your argument, argument, written argument, you need to write the argument for the opposite side. Yeah. You need to sit down, carefully write a well-crafted argument for what you're going to argue against. Yeah. It's like how many people have ever sat down and done that? Not necessarily written, maybe in sure. their mind, thought, experiment, conversation, like steel man it, you know? Yeah. How many, but not just steel man it, like, yeah, I see their point. Yeah. Like, okay, let's really sit down and formulate and consider to a, to a far enough degree that it would be convincing. Yeah. You really step into the shoes of the other side and go, okay, what am I going up against? Yeah. I don't think like the amount of people that do that, it's like, so small yeah even on the the biggest stage yeah because it's hard yeah like it's like if you man you have an idea and it's been not only an idea it's been a paradigm of your life yeah paradigm that's a big word from the 80s it's real popular you gotta have a paradigm shift yeah 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 but like your embedded ideals do you even have the mental fortitude to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write out or formulate an argument that goes directly against all of my ideals and see what I come up with. I think yeah. people are really scared yeah. to do that. Like, oh, I have to hold on to this. Yeah. Maybe if I do this, I I won't come back. Yeah. You know, I think that's a fear-based thing. Like, oh, maybe if I give an inch, they'll take a mile, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like you can't even, you know, your the mind is not strong enough to even do that. And I think cultivating a strong enough mind to be able to do that, mm-hmm. it's, it's got to be one of the keys to mental well-being. Yeah. Like if you can go, okay, go this side. Go 180 degrees this side, write the argument, make the case, you know, and then come back and say, okay, now we're going to craft an argument against it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting too, because yeah, if you're, you put yourself in those positions and try to think about, all right, I grew up a specific way. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to imagine I grew up where that's been taught to me as a lie my entire life. All those that I trust, all those that gave to me, receiving nothing in return, like my parents, like my school teachers, my professors, all all those who helped shape my worldview have told me that that's a lie my entire life. I have to see it that way. I don't know if it's possible to just truly put yourself in that way. But even if you try, you're going so much farther, I think, than than most do, like you said. 
I think it takes a, such a level of, you know, if you're talking generally, like my the, the whole scope. Yeah. I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you can take aspects mm-hmm. and more than just steel man. I think you can take certain aspects or certain ideas and say, we're going to craft a other side argument like a lawyer would do like you talk to any good lawyer and they'll say i know my opposition's case better than they do yeah that's the only way we're gonna win yeah i have to be able to step into their shoes and win on their side before i can step into my shoes and win this case yeah yeah so i i think i remember the first time i guess i was shook I think with that, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but first time somebody said, well, you believe abortion's wrong. And I'm like, yes, that's a life. I, I see it that way. And then they portrayed to me well, and they gave me an actual instance in their family that had happened where Someone was forced, became pregnant, and then they said, so did they keep the baby or not? And, of course, I know the right answer. Like, you don't kill because mistakes that were made by parents. But then I asked my own self, could you do that, raising a child with those memories? And that shook me because that's the first time like, man, that's tough, you know. Is it an absolute? Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's where you start to see the other side. And um and if you only see the side of the mom, you can see where they come to that conclusion, you know. But you can't. You have to see the side of the child too. And and that's where it's it's so so evident in scripture where God talks about how his ways are so much higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts because he sees all ways and all thoughts simultaneously and knows the greatest and best direction from that. And that's where I mean to try to formulate an opinion outside of that is if you believe scripture, you know, I just is foolishness, I think. Yeah, that's you dived into a topic yeah. there that's uh <laughs> complicated yes. to say the least. And but that's, you're a hundred percent right. That's it's what like, shook me, you know. I thought of that. I was like, man. Like, man, if you like can you set and this is but this is one I've actually tried to apply this principle to yeah. to a degree like okay sit down and not necessarily written and out but sit down and really think yeah the other because sure. we were both to be frank we were both brought up sure this is an absolute period mm-hmm. yeah and you didn't even question it, it was this just is like, the right way okay yeah. this yeah. is the right yeah this is the right they're wrong the mm-hmm. end yeah. period yeah but you really i've really sit down and go hmm is this an absolute 
Yeah. Is there a line? Yeah. And you really dig into it for yourself and you really consider all the factors at play. Mm, all situations, yeah. And, and you, I always come to the conclusion, though, it's like you would never know what potential impact that person would have on the world. Yeah. Or you. Or, yeah. Yeah. You never, you never know. Yeah. Like, it's bad. Yeah. It's, it is an evil, you know, in those circumstances. Yeah. No doubt. But you, the morality of the lost potential of that person really is, to me, is the sticking point. And I don't, you know, I I don't fault people, most people, for their view yeah. in, the, in that gray area. Yeah. There comes a point where it's like, there are wackos out there yeah. that are like, ah, yeah. no problem, you know, yeah. Yeah, kill them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you have other issues. Well, and I don't want to get too far into that. That's probably a different episode, but just the value of life. Like, yeah. If, and, and I took it to this, I talked to my kids not too long ago because they're going, I think, through like the theory of evolution and in their Christian school and, and going through that and, and, uh, and it really kind of clicked like, well, okay, if we're all just a bunch of randomized cells, then, I mean, ultimately, if you take that to the end, we're no different. Killing one another is no different than killing an animal for own personal gain. I mean, technically, that's the view of that. And so if if you take evolution to that point, or not, not even just evolution, but just the any any theory outside of a belief system that that values life and the sanctity of life values human human life, life yes, yes exactly human life yeah um then like you can totally see how people can be fine with abortion and fine with genocides and things like that that they just well they're just animals you know we're just a bunch of all randomized cells anyway yeah, animals kill their young. Yeah, happens all Eat the time. Them. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. So, what's the <laughs> difference? Oh, I mean, th- th- that's such an argument. It's like, yeah. okay, if if abortion is right, yeah, why is cannibalism wrong? Yeah, I mean, that's a on the nose question, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like if this is the logic, like the logic yeah. just doesn't hold up. It doesn't, yeah. As much as it makes sense on paper for mm-hmm. some circumstances, yeah. the logic still doesn't hold up. Yeah. In because, my in, in yeah. my opinion. And it, I you yeah. know, you hear people it's like you know, okay, there is a gray area. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. Yeah. You know, and I I think there's a certain amount of <sighs> certain amount of gr- grace to give those people yeah you know because some are bl- some i don't want to say blinded some are some have been brought up with that belief and it's so strong in their belief system that i mean it it's not just going to change through one conversation or or one enlightening you know situation it's it's going to take time to to come back a little bit away from that, you know, and to question it and formulate their own opinion there. I mean, 
because you ultimately you can't put yourself in that person's shoes. You can't. Nope. You can't stare down the same barrel nope. of the same gun nope. and go, what am I going to do? Yeah. Like, how terrifying. Yeah. Those certain circumstances. Yeah. And we're talking about very specific sure. circumstances. Sure. They're, yeah. you know, when you're talking about using it as a form of birth control, yeah. I think that's a whole different subject. Yeah, sure. But if you're talking about the actual rare circumstances yeah. where, in my book, it starts to become a gray area. Yeah. It's, it's like it's difficult. It becomes such an awful and difficult situation. Yeah. It's like it's, there's no winning. It's like yeah. a win win or a lose lose yeah. lose situation. Yeah. And oh, it's tough. Yeah, it is. But in other news. Yes. Moving on from the heavies. Yes. Sorry. I tend to go heavy sometimes. No, I like going heavy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we can always talk about Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what our strain was, where we came from that with. I have no idea. I'll go back to... I Got guess on go morality. Back. We took Elon yeah. Musk all the way to abortion. Yeah. Loving thine enemies. Uh, loving thy enemies self. will take you a long yeah. way. Yeah. And people that do that. Yeah. Uh. But yeah. it's it's like going to the gym. Yeah. Most people know mm-hmm. that it's a good idea. Yeah. Few people do it. Yeah. Why? Because it's hard. But then you go to the gym and there's a lot of people there usually. And you go to but the it's gym. still so few compared to this amount of people in society. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And you go to the gym and you feel better. Yeah. You feel great. It's like everything that's difficult. Yeah. You feel better after, mm-hmm. whether it's going in a cold plunge, yeah, or going to the gym, you know, physically, you know, reading a mentally stimulating book, yeah, you know, eating right, eating right, yeah. dieting correctly, mm-hmm. yeah, you feel better, yeah, and everybody, not ever, I will not say everybody, yeah, because, but especially now, like. If you've been online for 10 minutes, yeah, you you probably came across this. Hmm. If I do this, I will live longer. I will feel better. My blood pressure will go down. Yeah. Da, 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 um, da, 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 da. People still can't do it. Which, which not for lack of information. Yeah. Yeah. Which for, you know, we talked about kind of my upbringing there. Um, how it's interesting that way, but. Something that's really impressed me about you is just your journey with, uh, how, how many pounds have you lost now altogether? Oh, from my fattest of yes. fatness. Yes. From your royal fatness. I was, man, this is rough. I think I got up to, it was 274, 275 pounds, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, I'm a large frame, so sure. I could carry it. Carry so, yeah. But... I was still, yeah. I was fat. Yeah. Like, big, big boy. I was a big boy. Yeah. And I've always been a fat kid. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fat, fat kid. Yeah. But big, compared big to boned. the small group yeah. of childhood compatriots, I was yeah. the fat kid. Yes. <laughs> okay. And so take us through that. What, what like gave what, you that? What, what yeah. started it? What started it first, but then also what 
kept it. I think and it was the same thing that starts everybody. I looked in the mirror and went, oh my goodness, yeah. I am fat. Yeah. Like I knew it, but it yeah. was getting to the point. I think it was the number, really. I saw yeah. that number and I'm like, scared you. Oh no. Yeah. This is, this is not good. I'm only, I mean, I was like 23. Yeah. 22, 23. Yeah. And really the way I got there was just working a lot of hours and eating junk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, convenient food. I, was, I mm. loved cup of noodles. Mm. Cup of noodles is a drug. It's a vice. <laughs> it should not be allowed in stores. Ramen. Yeah. Mm. But I just, yeah, I got tired of it. Yeah. I'm like, well, working out for me, it's always been a, f- uh, a seasonal thing. Yes. Yes. I have never been a consistent worker outer. Yeah. But I'm like, I just got to figure something out that's going to work so I can do it. Yeah. And, you know, I I tried several different diets, tried, you know, lo- tracking my calories, mm-hmm. way too much work for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, way too much, unless mm-hmm. you're eating one meal a day, yeah. which is doable. But if you're only eating one meal a day, you really don't need to track your calories. Yeah. <laughs> And tracking every calorie is just brutal Yeah. in today's day and age where the food is just so varied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're looking up, oh, you just track it on your iPhone, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but I have to sit here. And I'm spending an extra 15 minutes just trying to every plug lunch. all this information yeah. in. It goes half my lunch Do a spreadsheet, you know? It's yeah. like, no. I can't. I need something that's simple. Yeah. And... And I did a couple things. I dropped back down to, I you know, like I got down into the 250 range. Mm. And I go back up. I kind of bounced around a little bit. But then I did, it was in December. December is always weird. I always end up dieting in December. A lot of us do. Which you'd think, oh, just put it off till January after the holidays. Why diet through the holidays? That's not fun. And it's not. But I have found that that is mainly because of the seasonal weather. Yeah. Really makes a big difference. Mm Because if I just let myself go in December, it's like, we're going whole hog, baby. (laughs) We're eating everything. (laughs) And it's dark out. And I'm sad because it's raining. (laughs) And I'm eating everything. And I'm sad. And I'm just more sad now because I'm fatter than I was yesterday. And I've got to eat more. I mean, man. Yep. So I always end up dieting in December for some reason. Yeah. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts and information, you know, just consuming the normal educational information. And the whole carnivore thing was starting to come out. and. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was still kind of like, well, what is this? You know, yeah. it wasn't nearly as mainstream as it is now. Sure, even. yeah. It was, it was very niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is only, what, two years ago? Three yeah. years ago, maybe? Yeah. Probably really around COVID. Huh? Close to COVID, yeah. Or in- oh, I know what it was, and I just remembered. It was, I had dropped down a little weight, and this would have been in like 2019. Okay. I, that's when I was the fattest. Yeah. It was in the 2019. I was just working a ton. And and so and I dropped down. And then come December, we had a vacation planned. Mm-hmm. 
vanity. Vanity. Vanity was on on the radar yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. We had a vacation planned for the first week of February of 2020. Oh yeah. Which is looking back is so weird. Yeah. But I'm like, I gotta do something. Like I gotta drop about 20 pounds. Yeah. You know, I gotta. Yeah. Do something. Yeah. I'm still a blubbering mess. <laughs> So like I'm gonna do this carnivore thing. Yeah. You know, I'm just gonna it sounds easy, you know. Yeah. I'm German. I can eat meat. <laughs> I mean, ancestrally I'm German. I am yeah. far from German. Yeah. Actual German, but yeah. I can eat meat, you know. Yeah. So and I did it. And the first two weeks sucked. <laughs> sucked and the the diarrhea was insane. Ugh. It was it was touch and go there. It yeah. was really touch and go yeah. for a couple of weeks. And then once like my system acclimatized to it, yeah. It was easy. Yeah. It really was, it was so weird how it went from like like I don't know if, how you could describe it. Almost like I've never really I've never been like intoxicated to the point of getting yeah. a bad hangover but sure. i what i imagine a bad bad hangover would feel like yeah. feel like that was it yeah yeah for several days yeah and then but once you break through yeah it was like dialed uh, i was like man this is easy and i dropped 22 pounds in a month wow I'm like okay that i'm helps. eating <laughs> i'm eating till i'm stuffed every yeah. day mm-hmm. i dropped 22 pounds there's got to be something to this. And I yeah. feel great. Yeah. Like, I just, f- like, my everything feels good. Yeah. And it was, you know, there's was, there was some side effects. Sure. Especially when you start in on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, like, you kind of got to get used to it. Your energy levels are consistent. Yeah. But they're not, like, you don't have quite the much as much power. Because sure. you're, 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 you don't have as much glycogen. You don't have any glycogen in your yeah. liver. So, like... The power recall is lower, yeah, especially when you're starting. But like, man, this is great. Yeah. So I did that on and off, and then I did. It's very hard to, to sustain that long term if yeah. you want to have a life. Sure. So I switched to keto. Yeah. And that's a lot more manageable from a lifestyle especially perspective. Up in the Northwest, yeah. Yeah, like, especially. I mean, stuff. we're kind of in keto a more health conscious yeah. corner of the world up yeah. here, which. You know, has its pros and cons. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, keto is fairly easy to maintain. Like mm-hmm. you can maintain a pretty solid ketogenic diet up here, yeah. and that just works for yeah. my body. And I've cycled on and off of it. Yeah. But I always have it in my mind. Yeah. Like I'm always conscious of it. Still, sure. It's like I, I still have the potential. Mm-hmm. I can get right back up there. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't take that much work. Yep. Yep. It takes a lot of effort. Get down. It's like yeah. continual effort. It's like I can I can go for a while. Yeah. But and I'm down. I hover right around 200 right now. Yeah. I'd like to get down to about 180, 185 is kind of where I think I would be optimal sure. for my size. But yeah. It, but it's a daily struggle. And I totally blew it today. Completely blew it. I've been on... I started... It was just after Thanksgiving. I started back on keto. Yeah. And 
well, what, two weeks ago. I've yeah. been on it for two weeks, however long that's been. Mm-hmm. And first cheat day. First cheat day. Went over. They say that you need those every You do. Time. And they are helpful. Yeah, like sure. If, I, about once every two weeks is yeah. about right. Yeah, as long as they're not me. too often. <laughs> and it's a, it's specifically a cheat meal yeah. really seems to work the best. Yeah. And that's what I try to keep it to. It's like if sure. I'm going to do it, I'm going to do a cheat meal. Yeah. And one of the things I've really changed is the whole, um, like keto treats or like mm. keto food, yeah, keto friendly, yeah. I can't. They really helped in the beginning, yeah. But now, I I, I almost try to avoid them, yeah, because they'll the way they get around the whole. I mean, the principle of keto is no carbs yeah. or very low carbs. Most people will say it's like, okay, keep your carbs under 20 a day mm-hmm. and you'll reach this ketosis. And I've never tested sure. myself for that. Yeah. It's just, hey, I'm losing weight. I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm <laughs> yeah. happy. My inflammation's low. My joints feel good. Yeah. That's all I care about at this gotcha, point. I've gotcha. never like been obsessed with it. But the, the fake keto stuff, and you know, it has its place, but... Man, it just wreaks havoc on my guts anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just brutal. Some some of it. Yeah. Is, I don't know what they're putting in it. They say, oh, it's got two net carbs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in other words, it's got fiber or some other sugar alcohols yeah. they use to... <laughs> man, when you really need something, maybe. Maybe, I'll have, yeah. <laughs> But it just, yeah, it's brutal on the guts. You just yeah. eat regular food, great. Yeah, yeah. But, so that's what over over seventy pounds or close to seventy pounds. I mean, seventy five pounds. Seventy five pounds, yeah. man. That's amazing. And I don't know how I was walking around like that. Yeah. Pick up seventy five pounds and <laughs> See start walking around. You're like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder I felt terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'm still working on the gym thing. I sure. just. I, I've had periods in my life starting at 18 where yeah. I periods that were consistent yeah. and you feel great. Yeah. Like it's awesome. Nothing's better. Yeah. But then you miss a day. You're your tired. Partner, work gets busy. Your yeah. Work gets busy. I'm working 12 this week. Yeah. I can't work out after working 12 <laughs> hours a day. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So. The minimum is okay. I have to move. Yeah, whether it's at work, because mm-hmm. I kind of work hybrid. You know, moving work and then computer work. Yeah, at this yeah. point. So as long as I can get movement in most of the week, mm-hmm. that really helps. Just keep everything fluid and sure. not sore. Like I'm never sore. Yeah, and I'm still young, but sure. like I'm. Unless I really overdo it on something or tweak something, I'm just I'm not sore. Yeah. Or if I sit in bed too long, <laughs> you know, then I'll get sore. Yeah, but sure. you know, I know so many people that are just like every day it's pain. Yeah. Yeah. It's at my age too. And I'm sure. I mean, obviously there's older people that are always in pain. Mm-hmm. But even people my age, it's like just always in pain because they don't move. Yeah. We were made to move. Yeah, we were made right. to move long distances. Yeah, walk everywhere. Walking, running. <laughs> yeah, you know, you name it. Yeah. 
hunting hunting looking for stuff yeah i have started incorporating it's pretty bro-y but i've been doing the whole um i like to do the I don't know where I read about them years and years ago. I read about them. They, they called them James Bond showers. Oh, okay. Where you, you take a real hot shower and then put it cold after at the you're end. all nice and toasty, you just crank it over to the cold <laughs> and just eat it for a couple minutes. You know what's hilarious about that? The first time I ever heard about that was from Grachik, the Armenian in our, in our church in Russia that we had. And he seems like somebody that would do that. Oh my. And, and it wasn't just that as that he said, I started doing this and he, 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 at least from what he told me, he didn't hear this from anyone else. He said that I just, I know that God made humans to adapt to their surroundings. And so Russia, the common thought processes is if you go out in the rain if you get cold leave the window open at night in the winter then that cold air brings in germs and cold and you'll get get, get a cold from that and you'll get That's sick kind of like the typical american yeah. like yeah. growing up don't don't get cold you'll get a cold yes and so um they're way more extreme about it i mean to where they don't put ice in their drinks and things like that but either way um but anyway, so he's like, uh, I've started. He came to me. He's like, I got a secret for you in sports because he loved playing soccer. You know, Grachik was, I mean, after every church service, went and played soccer and football, as they would put it. And uh, and he said, if you, de- if you don't want to be sore or sick ever again, he's like, after every shower for 30 seconds, he's like, turn it on all cold. And he's like, since then, he's like, I think I've gotten sick once in... 10 years it's like what and then come come to show now you're seeing all these cold plunges and all this stuff oh, go one, crazy 100 percent. yeah 100 yeah. percent. like there's legit i mean now there's legit yeah. like science yep. and i hate using that word yeah. science there's science, <laughs> science behind this no skull there's people that have formally observed the yes. effects uh, the positive effects of this right uh-huh. aka science yes and yeah, it's like, and cold plunges are far more effective. Yeah, but cold showers mm-hmm. really help too. Yeah, especially if the water is as cold as it is in the Russian pipes, <laughs> or as cold as it is in our pipes right yes. now. Yeah, exactly. It's chilly. Like it you is. do that in the summer, it feels nice. Yes, exactly. You do that in the winter, it's like okay, this this, this is hurts. terrible. Yeah. This, this hurts. Yeah. One of the interesting things I because so I don't know how you've ever gone down the rabbit hole on the whole cold water thing uh-huh. but one of the most notable effects is especially with the cold plunge where you, it's full immersion mm-hmm. you're you get a dopamine hit mm. that lasts yeah most dopamine hits don't last like yeah. when you look at your phone yeah. or you eat good food i mean there's certain one depending on what the activity is will last a certain amount of time but that's really what drives you to do something mm-hmm. right and that's the pleasure it's, your brain yeah, like gives a, it's it's one and i'm no neuroscientist sure, sure. but it's one of the chemicals that is produced that makes you seek certain things sure okay gambling yeah drug uh, drugs drugs 
are vary in their sure. effects. Yeah. But you know, it's like the it's what you get when you look at your phone. Sure. When you get a yeah. text message, like yeah. you get a little bit. Yeah. When you your brain's like, "Ooh, we like that." Yes. Yeah. It builds that repetitive thing, mm-hmm. you know. But cold water gives you this dopamine spike that lasts for a long time comparatively speaking it can last for hours wow and like there's people that have used it to reverse quote-unquote seasonal affective disorder yeah depression yeah i mean that's such a huge spectrum of what that is means exactly but Mm -hmm. you know i don't feel very good i feel down in the dumps cold exposure now i feel great yeah and every you know if you've ever had any kind of experience you kind of know this like oh man i swam in a cold lake i got out and i felt all invigorated yeah. you know yeah and you just think oh it's you know what's whatever my body blood's Spend pumping time blood. with my friends or yeah, Spend, yeah. Yeah. yeah but no it's it's a chemical yeah. <laughs> there's a chemical aspect yeah. to it yeah. like yeah. you are getting yeah feel good yeah off of this yeah and and there's a whole bunch of other physiological effects that it has. But, mm-hmm. but but the most interesting thing to me about the cold shower, and one of the reasons I like to do it, is because you can use it as a training tool yeah. to deal with stress. Yeah. And your body doesn't really differentiate uh, mental stress and physical stress. They're mm-hmm. kind of the same thing Yeah, when you really break it down it's a stress is pretty much a physiological response and when it's when you have a mental stress it manifests in your body yeah i mean you get tight every yeah you, you get think tight. about it you know this you your get jaw will get tight yeah jaw will get tight your neck will yeah. get tight man i have a headache yeah so stressed out yeah yeah it's it manifests physiologically sure and you can use cold water to manage that but you can if you going from hot to cold and being able to control yourself, it can, it can, if you're not used to it, it's like, yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. It's a, I can't, I can't. And if you can sit there and you know Zen master your way through it <laughs> and just hold it, breathe, embrace it, yeah, embrace it, yeah. I mean, it it transfers to real life stress. Yeah, yeah. like you can manage stress a lot better in mm. real life having practiced it Mm. it's one of the more interesting things yeah i've never thought of that how cold water exposure how mental stress can probably train you to endure physical stress or pain and the opposite opposite. yeah Yeah. how how the physical pain and stress can help you manage i mean we always say life's hard you know and that's such a deep statement but it's hard because of physical pain because of physical stress because of mental responsibilities stress obligations you know all those things combined and but i mean never thought of that we can always you know the world that we live in now is you don't have control over a lot of things yeah you know you don't have con you can't if you are get set and get stressed out about something yeah more than like Excuse me, more than likely, you can't do anything about it at that moment. Yeah. It's not like you're getting attacked by a tiger. Yeah. And you need all that stress energy to save yourself, <laughs> yeah. right? Adrenaline. You just and, sit there and yeah. you experience the same 
through the power of your mind, yeah. you experience the same condition as someone being attacked by a tiger and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's brutal. Yeah. You know? And I think that's why people really tout the exercise yeah. way of managing because mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said about that too. Sure, you exercise yeah. and... And relieve stress and you relieve stress just because you burn your system out mm-hmm. like you got a candle you burn it out yeah and because the mental stress and the physical stress are really the same thing yeah. you're, you're good yeah you know it's a way of yeah letting the stress out yeah but there's a whole science to that oh, I'm, sure, I'm just yeah. bro sciencing my yeah, way yeah. through all this right, yeah, you yeah. know <laughs> i listen it's to interesting po- topic right i now. listen to all these people and i just try to you know <laughs> yeah oh, yeah, and that everybody's do doing it. That helps yeah. too. Yeah, that does. That always makes cold, it better. Cold plunge is the new, yeah, cool thing. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Man, I remember reading about that—the whole shower, cold shower thing. Like, yeah, ten, fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. On the old blogs, mm-hmm. there was a blog when I was early teens. Yeah called the art of manliness and mm. i think it's still around i don't know how active it is but yeah. it was there was a lot on there and it was kind of novel at the time because it was like this old school do you, do you ever remember looking at this Mm-mm. it was this old school kind of it was one dude and he we just write articles about um Man stuff. Yeah. You know, a lot of it kind of focused on the old school. How it ch- how it's changed or just. No, just telling, like, like bringing back manly. like straight razor shaving. Okay, or, yeah. You know. The barbershop. Virtu- the barbershop. <laughs> yeah. Or how to, you know, kind of the father information. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Like you didn't have a father to teach yeah. you these things. Yeah. This is This was like some information you could use. And yeah. there was, you kind of had it broken up into different um aspects you know there was like virtuousness like mm-hmm. you had like a spiritual side yeah and not like bit like religion yeah just like you know moral, bettering moral, your bettering yeah. your mind bettering yeah. your body da, da, mm-hmm. da. It was, yeah it was one of the first exposures i had to that kind of content and mm-hmm. it was all written yeah. i think he had a podcast too but i never listened to it i just would read the articles because i found yeah. them interesting they would have like oh how to build a survival kit or yeah um you know they'd have like uh, historical biographies you know hob manly hobbies mm-hmm. all this stuff and i would just read for hours and hours on end yeah and i have no idea where i was going with this <laughs> where was i going what were we talking about before old I- showers Culture. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. That's where I read about that. Yeah. Yeah. The James Bond showers. But yeah, it was a cool website. I learned a lot. It got me into a couple things. Straight yeah. razor shaving. Yeah. Uh, I attempted several times. <laughs> Found it to be quite dangerous. And yeah, dangerous. Yeah. Um, I tried. Yeah. Wasn't for me. And yeah. So I'm like, I'm not shaving anymore. Yeah. Those uh, old barbers, man, with the straight razors, they're talented. How they can do that. Oh, yeah. And, and how they can do it to someone else. Like doing it to myself. It's like, okay, if I cut myself, at least I did me. it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, but man, to, to, man, that's your customer, your livelihood, and you got to cut them basically. So not close. only are you cutting them, you're cutting them with a, a literal razor yeah. right next to 
Yep. You know, some vital important <laughs> yeah. components. Yep. yep. In the neck area. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. This uh, is don't move, please. <laughs> but I guess one of the inter- other interesting things about that website was the name of it, yeah. the art of manliness. Yeah. Like, there's so multifaceted. There's an art to it. Yeah. Whoa. I thought it was just, you know, manliness. Yeah. But now you're telling me it's like something I can practice. Yeah. I can get better at. Yeah. That's, that's so true. Yeah. And, and it's not automatic. No. It doesn't just happen. Like I never got good at straight razor shaving (laughs) because I never practiced. Yeah. Yeah. I tried it like three times. I'm like, nope. Nope. (laughs) Nope. I went back to, uh, safety razor which mm-hmm. was the single blade yeah like the like gi or you know early yeah. 1900s yeah. version and mm-hmm. that actually gave man it's a great shave yeah. actually, from yeah. one of those single blade things but mm. yeah it's an art and there's so many things that you can you know you can look at them in two ways you can look at them you know actions that you take all the time or things that you do you can look at them as just a means to an end yeah or you can look at them as an art or a thing of beauty. Yeah. You know, like sh- like shaving. I mean, yeah. Most people, shaves a shave. I'm just trying to get the hair off my face. Yeah. Or you can look at it as, oh, this is an art form. Yeah. I'm going to master. Yeah. I'm going to take the time mm-hmm. and do this with a level of craftsmanship, yeah. taking time, the hair off my face. The time and the cuts I'm going to take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dangerous. It's yeah. edgy. Yeah. But so is so is like uh, I think every most aspects of manliness. You know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about hunting, and just how many lessons a young man can learn from hunting, from killing something for the first time, that feeling, and from being hungry and cold, and so many endurance properties that are included in that, and. It doesn't have to just be hunting, but camping, same same thing, you know, same aspect as far as getting a glimpse of what life was like before all the modern amenities that we have nowadays. Yeah, there's several aspects to all those things. Like yeah. there's an aspect of, of the contemplation with hunting, specifically the contemplation of life and, yeah. and taking mm-hmm. versus how much you give. Yeah. You know, and you, you can go down the whole morality of, of, uh, you know, of game animal. You know, mm-hmm. of taking animals from the land and yeah. and the art form that is hunting. Yeah. That is an art form. Oh yeah, man. and there's yeah. so many different variations of it, but it is a discipline, mm-hmm. and it's a worthy discipline in many many instances, but you can really treat so many things, you know, as that in any work. And I think people really miss that because stuff comes so easy. Yeah. You know, stuff mass produced. Oh yeah. Like taking the time to perfect something, Mm -hmm. to master an art, to master something. Yeah. To have mastery over a craft or over a practice or, even some small, yeah, like shaving, yeah, like it's shave, you know, whatever, or cooking. Mm-hmm. Wood people, wood carving, 
or wood carving. Yeah, yeah. Like there's so many things yeah. that people just disregard. Yeah. Like cooking is a great one because so many people can't cook anymore. Yeah. I mean, blows me away. Yeah. And I'm no cook. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm sure you're not, not either. Nope, not gonna. Like I've made my fair that. share of cup of noodles, <laughs> which are frozen pizzas. Beware, young people! The yeah. cup of noodles they yes. will put on the pounds and the frozen pizzas and the frozen pizza. I've yes. had a lot of frozen mm-hmm. pizzas, but just having the ability to like fry up bacon and eggs. Yeah. Or you know, I mean, how many? I've met so many teenagers that don't know how to turn on a stove. Yeah. It's like, whoa, dude. <laughs> okay, that's a little rough. Like. Yeah. I mean, not all of them. There's no, a lot of people is, that are competent, yeah, but there are definitely those out there that have reality. literally they've only ever used a microwave. Yeah. And it's only to heat up something just to get it hot enough to get down. Yeah. It's like there's such a wide, like you can devote your whole life to cooking. Yeah. Like, like becoming a chef or whatever. Like you could just spend your, the rest of your life crafting, working at that craft to be the best you can and you're never going to be the best yeah yeah and you can do that with anything mm-hmm. yeah I, I remember the first time i ever considered that i considered it an accomplishment that i cook something it was actually uh is it when, a date no no <laughs> thankfully i not. could see you doing that for a date <laughs> No, the uh we were up in on a mission trip and uh to the reindeer people up there. And a way that we kind of connected with the people there was fishing. They love fishing there. And Joel loves fishing, my dad loves fishing. Um and I hate fishing. Always have. I don't Is have the, the patience. Smell? Is I think the it's patience? patience. I think it's the patience yeah. because I've always been very the company. Yeah. It, it, I need to be doing, doing something, you know, it's sitting there and watching a line. It's, it's tough. I think I might enjoy it now more than I did, obviously, when I was younger. But either way, they caught fish. And while they were catching fish, I was building a fire, which is a lot more interesting to me than catching fish. and Pyromania. So, yeah. <laughs> so they they brought the uh, the fish up in and, and, um, and then somebody in the village, I guess, called my dad away because they had a, uh, what they considered a demon-possessed person. And so my dad went to go deal with that. That's a that's a kind of a heavy burden <laughs> on a fishing trip, yeah. man. Well, and so get this. What do you do? Like, my dad doesn't want his kids to see that, you know. Whatever that <laughs> may be. You know, whatever that is. And so... Uh, we had set up a tent there that we had had stuff in. And, and so Joel and I just stayed there. I think somebody else stayed with us, one of the adults, but I don't remember them really being around that much. I just remember Joel and I cooking the fish. And uh, and uh, all we had was salt. And I thought to myself, this is going to be the grossest thing we've ever had. Because I'd never cooked. And so I just naturally assumed so many spices had to go into a fish to make it taste good. And we just put a ton of salt on that fish. I remember eating it for the first time. And I was like, this is delicious. And I loved it, you know. And I was like, I can cook, you know. I can do this, you know. Don't tell my wife. 
What, that you can cook? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell her you can cook salt fish. Yeah, there you go. She's probably like, oh, okay. okay. I'll keep cooking this. <laughs> keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was one of those moments where I was like, man, okay, I see how. And and it, just because it's fish, naturally, think biblically, you know, Peter being a fisherman and these guys and just kind of, it just became a surreal experience, you know, there with that. Man, nothing's more speaks to the the human soul than building a fire and cooking something that you caught over it. Oh, if yeah. you've never had that experience before, mm. that is gratifying. Oh yeah. It's a shame we don't do it more. It is, yeah. It's a lost it's becoming uh, it's probably not there yet, but it's becoming a lost lost thing that men do together, you know, and families even, you know, together the stories that have been told around campfires and you know just being out in god's creation you know i think it really gives i was fortunate to grow up with a lot of this kind of stuff yeah right i I just close i had relatives that were you know they were not homesteaders by any means we we were very modern in our living we didn't live like primitively but we we had those experiences of you know building fires of fishing of hunting i did a ton of it you know and uh, growing a garden yeah i mean i had my i had my own garden for quite a few years Mm -hmm. as a child yeah and the sense of would you describe it the sense of accomplishment yeah or the sense of sufficiency mm-hmm. that gives you yeah gives you so much confidence going into adulthood yeah i can survive i can survive yeah like you know and i need people yeah but push comes to shove like i can do something like yeah. i'm not helpless yeah and and having that is like such a confidence booster yeah in, in aspects of life. And I, I I can't imagine not having it. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. Like, sure. I cannot imagine growing up my entire life in an apartment, you know, and not having, never knowing if I could go out there and do something. And there's a lot of things that I haven't experienced. Yeah. You know, I haven't, you know, I haven't like survived like Survivor Man in the <laughs> wilderness for seven days by myself. I've yeah. never pushed myself that far. Yeah. You know, I've watched the TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> That's that counts for <laughs> I've something. I've thought right? about it. But, you know, but just the basics, you yeah. know, it's like the 90% basics. Um, okay. I I have some competence yeah. in this, in mm. this basic human thing of food, shelter, water. Yeah. You know, like, okay, base level, I can survive, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. I have a better shot than most. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and man, that's a... Yeah. And I think a lot of it's unconscious, but it's just like mm-hmm. you walk, you roll through life with such a, you know, I think, because I haven't been in anybody else's shoes, but I, I would imagine like just the sense of anxiety has to be a little lower than yeah. not having that information yeah just living you know especially when stuff like COVID happens yeah you know that's when it's like yeah we'll be okay yeah and if if you never had that yeah it's like 
oh, you know, what the if, Walmart's closed. Yeah, what if what are we going to do? Stops, yeah. What if the grocery truck stops? Yeah. You know, what if this? Yeah. What if that? And it's like, it's such a modern problem. It is. <laughs> it's so yeah. weird. It is. You know? Yeah. Huh. But just how that shapes your psyche too. Yeah. To, to accomplish things and to not be afraid of things, you know, I, one of a, something I heard sometimes is that it's kind of cracked me up because I think I kind of had that thought, like, I don't know if I know how to read or if I've just memorized a lot of words. Thinking too much, bro. <laughs> I know, but like, <laughs> but like growing yeah. up, like I, I struggled getting to that point of being confident that I can read because the same old homeschool books of see Jan, Jan run, you know, all the, I'm very good at memorizing mm-hmm. and like and pattern so, recognition, yeah, pattern recognition, yeah. memorizing. And so you think, well, then you could easily memorize the sounds that each letter makes and easily be able to read that way. Um, but the truth is, is that it was a while before I was like, no, yeah, I know how to read. Like that confidence wasn't there. And I struggled so much like, and I would read things sometimes and my mom would be like, all right, he's got it. And then I couldn't read other things. And then she'd be like, what's going on? And, um, and I can read now. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I figured. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Unless I've memorized a lot of things. That's a lot of words <laughs> yeah, to memorize. But, 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 but either way. I mean, oh, that's yeah. how people read, though. Yeah, yeah. Like still, like, yeah. that's how I read. Yeah. It's pattern recognition. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, you see the little tests where all the letters are, as long as the right letters are there yeah. and the first and last letter are right, yeah. Yeah. all the rest of the letters can be yep. messed up and you mm-hmm. can still read it. Yeah. Like, that's still how people read. Yeah, yeah. And but so, I see what you're saying yeah, as but, far as the... Yeah, the, how it connects like and how that gave me a, like, I didn't want to read in church. I didn't want to read school. a verse yeah, in school mm-hmm. or or any public place or anything. I, I just avoided reading so much. Like people would say, oh, I, I love to curl up with a good book. I'm like, are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> Who would ever want to do something like that? And And so... But yeah, like you talked about just having those skills at such a young age, how it gives you that confidence. I think not having those, you know, not just those skills, but any skill that it's perceived that everyone has and how that makes somebody feel so inadequate, like, and incapable of, uh, of being able to compete, you know, in, in society to to get a job over somebody else or to to get a position above somebody else or something like that and and just how that that shapes you know everything those little things that you as a kid you're like this is stupid i don't i don't want to do this you know like when am i ever going to use this you know and algebra yeah <laughs> algebra yeah. man am i ever Ever in my life could use this. Yes. Well, you might not. <laughs> might but, not, yeah. But, yeah, just, I think learning is, especially at that age, as, you mm. know, the formative years, is 
and you don't realize it till you get to out of it, right? Yeah. That it's more than just information. Yeah. It's it's the confidence. It's the mm-hmm. it's the accomplishment. Yeah. Of of doing something, of learning something, like of passing a test, of, yeah. of whatever. It's like you when you're there. It's like this is dumb. Yeah. You know, I'm never going to use this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some of it you won't ever use. Yeah. I mean, I sucked at English <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, and I was, but I can write. Yeah. Like I can write a, at least average. Yeah. You know, I can write emails. I can mm-hmm. write where it's needed. When you talk talking about like breaking down prepositions yeah. and do diagramming. Uh-uh. Yeah. That's, that takes me back to a dark place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to go there. Yeah. But, you know, when you can work through the challenges, mm-hmm. whatever they may be, you know, it, it has an effect on more than just that thing. Yeah. And you we know? do, we become so tunnel visioned when you're that age, you just see it as this is pointless. This is uh, so many more things are so much more important to me. And, and yet really it's not even that thing that you're learning. It's teaching yourself to do something you don't want to do and how that formulates such a great uh, character block in your life. 1000%. Yeah. If you can teach yourself, yeah. Like, I don't even know how to express it, yeah. just how you did. If you yeah. can teach yourself to learn something that you don't want to learn yeah. or to do something that you don't want to do, yeah. man, you can take that all the way. You yeah. can rule the world with that, that kind yeah. of, of character. Yeah. You know, it does. And get good at it. Yeah. Like develop a system, mm-hmm. for whether it's for learning or or doing or yeah. it's like, oh, this is gonna suck, but we're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just that's a muscle. Yeah, g- not giving into the to the perception of I can't like because now there are some people that physically can't, and there are, there well, are there are limits. Course. But for most people, I mean, if you're able to easily pass your grades then you're capable of doing so much more than anyone wants you to know how much you're capable of doing especially now the information oh, is yeah. there yep it's that's not a problem anymore that problem's yep. been eliminated yep. the information's present yeah people have made their millions on how-to videos already <laughs> a thousand percent and then yeah. people have made millions on making the how-to videos yep. it's like it's yeah. whoa it's yep. wild it is yep <laughs> And there's just so, yeah. so much opportunity, but, yeah. and you know, like a lot of that information, like I haven't hunted in several years, Yeah. but it's in the back of my mind. Yeah. Like it's burned in, you know, yeah. I could go pick it back up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I need to go hunting. Uh, I do need to go hunting. You should do it sometime. It's always in the busiest part of the year. It is. Can't. September to November is hunting season, generally speaking. Uh-huh. And it never fails that that is oh, the man. absolute busiest time yep. of the year for everything. Work, yeah, family yeah. stuff. It's like <laughs> it's like the whole year culminates. Like, why can't we do this in springtime yeah, exactly. when nothing's going on? Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. There is some spring hunting. You could hunt bear and stuff, spring bear and turkey, but yeah, that's not what I ever really did. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can fish though. Yeah. Go back to the the fish. See if it's calls to me this time. 
Although I will say I went fishing one time, um, deep sea. Went to a missions conference one time, and a church took us out deep sea fishing. That fishing I could do all day. It's instantaneous, just bam, catch after bam, catch after bam. catch. I mean, I loved it. That was phenomenal. It's not always like that, by no. the way. Well, okay, yeah. Where <laughs> not, I was, not one hundred percent of the time is it ever like that. <laughs> yeah, and that was special. I but mean, you, I just remember, yeah. You definitely have a lot higher yep. opportunity to have that experience. Yeah, in we had a fishing. we had a guy that just he's like, all right, now wait till you feel it hit the bottom. He says. Reel it in 10 times or 12 times from there, and I guarantee you catch a fish. And that, you know, me, I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. And so I feel it hit the bottom, roll up, instant. I'm like, okay, this is fun. <laughs> I can see how people get into this. <laughs> so. Isn't it so weird, though, that it is fun? Yeah. Like, right? what makes it fun? Oh, man. Like, it's, yeah. so, it's so burned into whatever we are as people. <sighs> I can that, go that, into that that's fun. You're sending me down that rabbit hole. Bro. But I think part of it is, is are there fish in there? Like well, that to is me. There's food in there. Yeah. But no, but like think about it like you never see the fish until it's caught. Most of the, most of the yeah, time. Yeah, most of the time and so like especially deep sea fishing. I mean, it's like you know there's logically science everything says there's fish down there. But until you feel that, you don't know. And then you know. It's like, man, it's this like, is stupid. <laughs> I'm just sitting here with a string and a, and there's nothing. To, what if there's nothing down there? Yeah, exactly. What if I'm just sitting here like an a, a idiot yeah. <laughs> with a string in my hand Yep. until wham. Yeah. Oh, then it's like, oh, this is the best. Yeah. This yeah. is all, this is so awesome. Yeah. I'm so cool. Yes. I'm bringing home fish for dinner. Oh, man. But the adrenaline rush, dude, yep. especially on some of the bigger stuff, even oh, the small stuff, like yeah. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Catching a fish is fun. It is. And that's, uh oh, there's an illustration there somewhere. I oh, mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh-huh. like from knowledge becoming what you see. The fruit of thy labor. Yes. And just, man, when, when you see something that you're not sure is there and then it becomes so sure and so evident that's it's pretty awesome i tell you my granddad he retired in lifelong fisherman yeah but he re, he was a construction guy he retired in 2001 2002 yeah and he didn't pass he passed away in 2000 and 2018 yeah and when he retired, he bought a boat. Mm-hmm. A couple of years after he retired, he bought a boat. He lived on the Columbia River. Okay. And every day that that river was open for fishing, like it was legal. Yeah. He was out there. Wow. And he could, it was, it was like a job. Wow. But he loved it. Mm. And he'd be out there and, if he could sit out there for eight hours, mm. not catch a thing. Really? And it was like, well, we're going to try again tomorrow, <laughs> and maybe tomorrow we'll catch one. And mm. he he made a great success rate, like comparatively sure. speaking. He yeah. had it down. But there are days you just don't catch anything. You yeah. sit out there all day and nothing. Yeah. It's like the... It was just incredible Yeah, how dedicated he was to that. 
and it wasn't for the money. It wasn't for, it wasn't even for the food. I mean, he had plenty of food. Like yeah. you catch a couple a year, he would end up giving them away to family and friends. And but just the innate, hardwired. Mm-hmm. Ah, this is the best thing of all the things I could do. You know, yeah. he wasn't poor. He wasn't rich. Yeah. You know, he was just comfortable. Like he could have traveled. He could have, uh, you know, done pretty much whatever yeah. within reason. Yeah. But he chose to sit and fish. Yeah. For the rest of his retirement. Mm. And he, you know, this is granted, this is during the seasons, which were. Uh, like a, there was like a spring season sure. and then like a, a June season and mm-hmm. like fall season. And then there was some other fishing we would do on lakes and whatnot. But man, fishing was number one. Oh, yeah. Everything else was just something to do in between fishing season. Yeah, you know, and that's what I think I, I love too about this podcast is like I'm probably a generation ahead of where you are. Well, so technically speaking, yeah, you technically. Are. And so we get two different generational views on that. Yeah. But with that understanding, like seeing that, and some people are going to get upset maybe when they, if they think about this, but stick with me. But that's what young people do with video games Mm -hmm. is it's the same thing. Like, like I look at that eight hours on a boat catching nothing. What a waste of time. And other people be like, no, fishing's awesome. It's manly. It's and they'll give and they'll protect, they'll protect fishing with everything that is in them. But then you try to correspond it. Well, what about playing video games for eight hours? Oh, you're not getting up. You're not moving around. No, but the same love that that generation had for fishing and and doing those a hobby. It's a hobby, and it's mm-hmm. it's a really a pointless hobby. I mean, like you said, he had everything he needed. It's not like he was going there to live, you know, and not, not to down anything he did. No, whatsoever. No, for sure. It was his entertainment. It was a, it was something he enjoyed doing a hobby. It was his, I, I would even go as far as to say it was his purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was oh, in yeah. retirement. Yeah. That was his purpose was yep. to, to catch as many fish as possible. Yeah. And I would give it to like, I think that's why, we see these battle royale games yeah. becoming so it's like catching a fish. 50 people go in to an arena. One person comes out. One person gets that dopamine rush that I got it. I won. I beat and I'm better than these others around me. And just, I like catching a fish. Like I got it. I'm not going home empty handed. I succeeded today. I thought about it that way. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously there is there is more physical utility Definitely. in fishing, sure. especially if you like to eat fish. Yes. Uh, but once you get past the threshold of, I, can catch I have fish. enough. Yeah, exactly. I have enough fish, or I'm just catching little fish. Uh, and or I'm just, capable of doing it. Yeah. Or I'm just catching them and throwing them back. Yeah. There's guys that do that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's what it is, is entertainment. Yep. Maybe I'm doing it by myself. Maybe I'm doing it with friends. Yep. You know, it's good, wholesome entertainment. But I, I totally see the parallel yeah. you're, you're making there. That's what I just, like, I was thinking that when you were talking about that. And then I thought, 
wow, that's a lot of time to spend on a boat. And then I thought, well, correlated to our generation, you know, what, what this next generation comes up, they spending eight hours of video games is nothing for a lot of gamers. They'll, they'll do 24 hour streams, man. They work harder than people <laughs> that are going to work and <sighs> staying up all night playing these games, man. This is my nightmare. Yeah. That's the reality though, bro. That, that would, I don't think I could physically do it. Oh man. My brain would yeah. fall out of my head. Oh man. I just, it's crazy. Crazy though. It's attention span or what? I've yeah. tried. Yeah. For like, I'm going to play video games. Yeah. I could do it for like maybe two hours. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm done. I'm yep. exhausted. I'm done, exhausted. Yep. The, the fishing is, I mean, and especially for him, he would always go with somebody. Yeah. So, and he would go occasionally by himself. Yeah. But he usually wouldn't stay quite as long or, you know, it wouldn't be, it would be like, ah, eh, there's nothing biting. Let's go home. Yeah. But, most of the time he was with somebody, yeah. an old work buddy or me sure. or, yeah. you know, somebody. And it was like the hot coffee and the talking about old work or telling stories. Yeah. You know, that whole telling stories around the campfire thing. It was telling mm-hmm. stories on the boat. Oh, yeah. And I learned, I learned so many different random things from yeah. spending time with a bunch of old guys. Yeah. But, you know, I think it was, it was the fishing for sure, but it was also yeah. the experience of just... Being away from the women, yep, and being out on the boat, yeah, the with the guys, you know, yeah, and you know, old guys always have or usually have some form of that, you yep. know, whether it's fishing or going, I don't know, golfing, you know, yeah. it's kind of the same thing, yeah. But and that's a I but think, video. I mean, yeah, it's weird to think of it that way because there, it's a product of very modern times. Yeah, it, it kind of can feel the same. Yeah. Role, well, especially with friends, yeah. On those battle royale games, a lot of them are team based too, and mm-hmm. they'll get with their buddies and just play for six hours. And they are fun, you know, yeah. They're they, fun, dude. And, and 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 I'll say this too: that there's that fellowship that we crave mm. that's being fulfilled in that the hang, same, yeah, the hang to be yeah. with other people and and that that desire there. So, yeah, I just I was thinking, man. I think that you're going to see that a lot more Yep. as, as we get older, yep. as your generation, the millennials get older. Yeah. Millennials, man. The millennials. Still, oh, oh. That's tough for me. You just recently found out yes. that you were a, a millennial. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a very sad day. What did you think you were again? I don't, I have no idea. I just, just didn't, didn't know? know what I was. I, I was just, a nobody. Yeah, I was a nobody. I was, you're a millennial. Yeah. yeah. And I'm a, I'm a, I just squeaked into the Zoomers. Zoomers. Which I don't Gen know really. Z. I've never really cared, but I don't yeah. know how I feel about yeah. that. It's kind oh. of bad either way. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. That's how it's, it's rough. Yep. But, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. As, I think so, that too. generation yeah. gets older and, the, you know, that's what they had when they were kids. They're going to have it when they're old, I yeah. think. Yeah, and it'll just be different, more advanced, you know versions and things or they're going to stick to the ones they love that they enjoy i mean how much better can it get yeah how much better can those things it's progress a whole nother, just a whole nother podcast blows my mind <laughs> ah i mean yeah. go play a a game of doom or something yeah. and then <laughs> play something new it's yeah crazy oh man and how realistic those games are looking is it's insane 
especially the environments. Do you think it really, the amount of realism, like, tricks your mind more? I think definitely for the VR stuff it will. Um, with a controller in your hand, there's that separation. There's that, like, yeah. wall of it's in the TV. You know, it's not, I'm not experiencing it. But you go play on virtual reality like those plank games when you're standing on a a skyscraper and it says, okay, walk to the edge. All right, now jump. You know, and, and you look around, you hear the wind, you see the skyscrapers all around you. Yeah. And it says jump because this isn't real. And you do that and, oh, man, it's, it, that'll Starts mess with trick, your mind. Yeah, yeah it yeah. does. That immersion is insane. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. The, 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 I've played some really like high def yeah. stuff just to test it out. Yeah. It's like, this is beautiful. This yeah. is cool, but it's not like, I don't really feel any different than I do playing Pac-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Other than it's cooler. Yeah, exactly. But not like it looks more real, but I still know I'm playing a game. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. Well, I think we just hit three hours. That's a good place to stop. It's cool. It's a good place to stop. Until right. next time. Yes. Bye, everyone. <laughs>